Hello, the internet, and welcome to Premium Bond. Hello again to all of our at least four regular listeners, and thank you for joining us uh, in our Simpletons review of the James Bond franchise. My name is Tucker, Lawrence Tucker, and I'm joined as ever by the McAdams to my Kronstein, Gerard Humphreys. And we've done a podcast about James Bond. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How are you today, Gerard? I am very good. I think I'm better than you. Mm. Mm. <laughs> That's just a guess. I've had a tough day. Uh, I, I was up at quarter past six in the morning to catch a train back to my hometown to go to the dentist and uh, my my tooth was sort of throbbing and it turns out that my impacted wisdom tooth has become even more impacted and it's just causing me pain all the time and has caused uh, the filling I have in, in one side of my mouth to become dislodged so I just had exposed pulp so they ripped out the whole filling and then they put a sedative dressing in but the sedative dressing they've put in was apparently a little bit too much because now it's just pushing all my teeth over to one side and it's like having braces and I can't bite down properly and it's torture and it's pain and they injected my mouth with some kind of freezing anaesthetic which has only just worn off about a, <laughs> two or three hours ago. <laughs> so if I'm a little dopey this this episode... No, I expect this to give you an edge. <laughs> I think you're going to be on it like Connery. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine I will not at some point just pass out or <laughs> rumble into a ball and cry and cry and cry. Um, anyway, so if anyone else wants to hear more about my medical history, then... Uh, Another podcast <laughs> interview. <laughs> uh, just just uh, uh, message us on uh, facebook.com forward slash Flemings dot shame. And <laughs> ask, me, ask me what other problems I have with my fast decaying body, my inevitable flesh tomb. So today, well, we... <laughs> this might be more upbeat. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very downbeat podcast last time because we hated from Russia with love, but I think it will be more upbeat despite my insistence on mentioning the term flesh prison, um, mm. flesh tomb. Sorry, um, uh, because uh, we're doing Goldfinger today, and Goldfinger's good, right? Yes, yes, yes. Fantastic. <laughs> I did actually enjoy it a lot more to to spoil a little bit here, but. Um, it's not difficult to enjoy anything more than from Russia with love. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, there were some bits in it. Had I watched it prior to watching from Russia with love, mm-hmm. I probably would have felt right <laughs> a bit ropey about it. But no, it seems great. It's yeah. a very progressive film. I, I honestly do appreciate the sentiment that it's a progressive film after seeing from Russia with love. Um, some parts, a bit of a step back for for mm. uh, gender relations, but. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I should put on my dress. Um, so, I have to ask again what your experience with Goldfinger has been in the past. Uh, it's probably one I've seen more than most of his old ones. Mm. Just, again, Christmases, Easter's. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it even had it on DVD. Oh, so I seem to remember you having it on DVD. Yeah. Goldfinger was was one I thought I remembered really well, mm. but then I think I sent you a message just before I started watching saying, "Is this the one with Grace Jones in it?" And you just <laughs> laughed, so I, I had no idea what what I was going into. Honestly, um, I knew I knew they certain... weren't that progressive. <laughs> a black woman <laughs> on screen. Connery would not have such a thing. Um, 
I knew certain things about it. I remembered a lady being painted gold, and I knew that Odd Job was in it. Mm. And that's all I really remember. I didn't even remember what Goldfinger looked like or anything. Yeah, um, I couldn't really remember the plot. To be honest, <laughs> like what the plot was one of the more simple ones so far. Yeah, so yeah the most simple one so far. Um, so I had no idea what I was going into. Excitement, intrigue, Ooh. mystery. So uh, Goldfinger. Uh, is one of the. I mean, at the time of its release, it was the most successful film <laughs> that had ever been released in terms of like initial box office success. Right, okay. So um, yeah, people, guess by people this like point the hype machine was. Yeah, kind of... <laughs> people were queuing up. Um, theaters were running at twenty four hours a day to keep up with demand <laughs> and stuff like that. But it had the biggest budget as well of any. Uh, any Bond film to date at a, a cool three million dollars. Oh. Mm. I can't really think of anything in it that I thought that looked overtly expensive. Oh, I guess the sets and stuff like that probably would have been pretty. Mate, they use real gold bricks. Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't, obviously, we're going to get into how utterly unlike any kind of real metal the gold they used is. There are a couple of little tidbits I've picked up. Some Bond facts, which oh. will I'll be. <laughs> Peppering through, shotgunning throughout the podcast. I cannot <laughs> wait. <laughs> so um, there might be some some little bits and pieces there that uh, explain where the budget went. Connery's Unf- barbell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, this time there's. I know how much you really, very much enjoy, and how much I enjoy delighting you with the foreign translations for the film. But they're all fairly tame this time. Oh. It's it's quite upsetting. It seems they've learned from Doctor No, and they've just said. It's the name of Da Villain. We can just we can do that. Us foreigners, we can do that. When did easy. they learn that? <laughs> I'm just telling you all these secrets. You uh, can keep a name the same. <laughs> um, so Brazil named it 007 against Goldfinger. Similarly, Italy called it Mission Goldfinger. China, even China didn't fuck it up too bad. No. 007 versus Goldfinger. Sad, really. Yeah, think. yeah. I did have a little peek forward at Thunderball, though. I think there are there's some good ones. Any back on I, hope, okay. I hope so. I'll look um, what is not disappointing, however, are the the official. This is the official taglines for this film. The strap lines across the posters. Okay. These are amazing. I'm going to start tame and build to the worst ones. Spend a night with James Bond. Doesn't make sense. Spend two hours with James Bond. <laughs> Everything he touches turns to excitement. I quite like that because of how. Crap it's very camp, isn't it? <laughs> um, 007 is paid to take risks. You are not. What? It's a safety poster, apparently. Yeah. That's outside the film that was like, don't copy any of the things he does in this film. <laughs> but, mate, I want to get strapped down to a laser table, so <laughs> shocker. This one, it sort of, it's, it starts detaching itself from reality at this point, where it says, uh, Miss Honey and Miss Galore have James Bond back for more. Which I've really had to strain to put that into a rhyme that works for a start. <laughs> and Miss Honey, I assume they're talking about Honey Rider, who is it's two films prior? The only one I can think of. I, don't, I mean, yeah. Was this from a different country or something? Or no, this... This, was, this was a UK one. Ooh. <laughs> Someone doesn't well, watch well the film. In the 60s. Uh, and my favourite, mixing business and girls, mixing thrills and girls, <laughs> mixing danger and girls. Certainly does that. <laughs> I think the only one of them that is acceptable is mixing thrills and girls because you could go to like you know 
Alton Towers or something with a girl, you'd have you'd have a great time. Ah, oh, screaming on the Ooh. roller coaster. Oh, I've lost a leg, and um, and um, <laughs> uh, mixing business and girls. I'm not saying for for even a moment that women don't make perfectly competent business women, but in the context of this, he said mixing business and girls, and the girls he's talking about are presumably Horse. floozies who he wants to fuck. <laughs> You, I mean, unless you're working for some mega corporation in the 80s where it's all cocaine and hookers, probably can't do that without getting some kind of disciplinary. Mixing danger and girls is just reckless. Nah, man. It's <laughs> like operating heavy machinery with girls. <laughs> Driving a little bit too fast with a girl. <laughs> um, so, yes, let us begin with yes. our dissection of Guy Hamilton's Gold finger. You're a waste of time. Open on a vaguely militarised looking industrial complex located next to a dock. All is quiet save for the slight rippling of the sea. This rippling intensifies and we pan over to its cause. What appears to be a seagull glides effortlessly through the water. But oh no, wait, it actually wasn't even a seagull. It was a seagull-shaped decoy strapped to a diver's helmet. The diver in question? Bond. James Bond. He hoists himself from the ocean and, with the aid of a grappling hook gun, abseils up over a wall and into the complex. He quite clumsily knocks out a guard and lets himself into a secret entrance to one of the cooling towers, which houses several barrels of nitro-methane. He rigs them to explode and leaves, discarding his wetsuit and revealing his somehow still dry, clean and pristine white tuxedo underneath. What the fuck is (laughs) happening here? What I really liked was... Just how shit the seagull was. That <laughs> it, there's lots of points during this where I think, is she actually trying to be a spy? <laughs> I think he's just going, he's, how shit a thing can I get away with? <laughs> What's like, the point of that seagull? <laughs> he just throws it into the water. Like if I was well, on I guard, where this on land, that would be ridiculous. He's <laughs> completely invisible under. <laughs> If anything, it's just drawing attention yeah, to the point like, where he what is. What is that big fake seagull doing? <laughs> that big fake seagull that is making no attempt to look like a normal seagull swimming through water. Just sitting stock still, <laughs> gliding through like it's on a treadmill or something. Oh, I, going into this, this, I didn't know what to expect. And 
this introduction. I thought, yeah. for fuck's sake, <laughs> I thought this was going to be better. <laughs> yeah, already starting strong with <laughs> with uh, uh, pushing the, the the retardometer needle is yep. is desperately trying to escape beyond ten already. <laughs> but... I really enjoyed when he just stripped into his weight tuxedo. Yes. It was yeah, that, just that's so... uh, that's a uh, premium bond. <laughs> Bond, now suited up, joins a party at a nearby cantina where a belly dancer is literally just shaking her tits at some men. He lights a cigarette, and as he does, the explosives go off. The partygoers panic and flee, but not Bond. He joins his contact at the bar who directs him to his escape route, a flight chartered for Miami within the hour. Bond says he'll be on it, but needs to take care of some business first. Some sex business. (laughs) Is that Trevor Bond? It's Trevor Bond. Jumping in. Our literal Bond, yes. Uh, He retires to a nearby room in which a lady is taking a bath. Seemingly knowing him, she embraces him in a kiss. But oh no, it was a ruse to take his attention away from the man sneaking up behind him to knock him unconscious. Bond, however, spots the man reflected in his floozy's eyes and flips her around to take the brunt of his attack, which is very funny. (laughs) He and the man then fight, with Bond ultimately gaining the upper hand and throwing his assailant into a bath. As the man draws a gun, Bond thinks quickly and throws a nearby lamp into the water, electrocuting the man instantly. With his attacker now dead and his erstwhile lover unconscious, Bond leaves and the intro sequence begins. So, I mean, when he said I've got some business to attend to, it was just simply to fuck her. Yeah, I don't think he thought he was going to get assaulted by a man. I think yeah. this, was, this was simply... A fuck job. <laughs> but uh, did you recognise the floozy at all? No. Ah, she was in the previous film as um, the Karim Bey's um, uh, woman, basically. her His, ah, his, um, okay. his harem lady, who the you one. accused me of rating like a pig. If you no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what their problem is with belly dancing and why they can't just research it a little bit, but she was there. Just flapping her yeah, wax about the place. Sure. It, was, it was fairly <laughs> gratuitous. So let's let's uh, start our podcast as we mean to go on with a little tiny <laughs> ding from our uh, of its time bell. The bell we sound whenever something is racist or sexist or sits uncomfortably with us and would not make it into a film nowadays. We hope. Well, it would make it into a film. Making films, but <laughs> we can only hope that one day the 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 genius auteur that is Dapper Laughs who I swear only does it as a parody of people oh, mate, like that mate. <laughs> it's <laughs> we'll, just a we'll parody of himself Bond-esque films please, please Dapper Laughs will you do that for us please shout out to Dapper Laughs <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why he was in a white tux for this because it was a bar it was a, a cantina t- okay, it was a titty bar <laughs> titty cantina titty cantina <laughs> and uh, it wasn't particularly he was really obvious, again, yeah. not particularly being a spy. <laughs> yeah. And then he went and he was just there to have sex with someone. It looked like it. To meet his contacts, officially. But then he also wanted to yeah. bang some <laughs> slut. Oh. <laughs> Ding yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> little ding for me for being Sean Connery there's a brilliant line in this as well where he's got the gun holster on and the woman goes why do you wear that thing and he says I have a slight inferiority complex and then he glances sideways at the camera and sort of winks as if to say the very notion have you seen how good I am (laughs) and now I'm about to bang this bitch and she means nothing to me she's not even the Bond girl I'll do that you know I'll just go about banging. He's a 
banging <laughs> machine. He's a fuck machine. Like one of those ones that operates on a oh, piston. Fuck <laughs> sake, what's up? <laughs> Is this coming from? <laughs> I'm still woozy. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. That excuse is going to run, <laughs> run out pretty soon. <laughs> I just love fuck machines. I know you do. <laughs> but yeah, talking. <laughs> it's very, very. <laughs> please, please don't. <laughs> Continue. <sighs> so, um, it's very funny when he just spins her around. Let's so take the hit. That yeah. is amazing. And then he doesn't even. Attempt to help her. Like, talking of, she means nothing to him. <laughs> he just yeah. he like fixes his jacket, leaves the mm-hmm. corpse in the bath. Well, he then... doesn't just fix his jacket and leave his corpse in the bath, does he? He actually gives us our very first unusually callous quip concerning the death of another human Aye. being. He says, "Well, he throws this man into the bath, and the guy pulls a gun, and he's got his finger on the trigger, and Von whips a lamp into it, and he gets electrocuted, and the guy um, throwing away any kind of." scientific realism thing just flings his gun into the air rather than like all his muscles contract and he pulls the trigger anyway but Bond then leaves this woman who he was about to have sex with but now because she, it turns out she's on the other side he she no longer counts as a human being to him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he Fear. says shocking and then she, she starts to wake up and he's rubbing the back of her head like, oh James what fucking happened I got hit in the head by some fucking guy and he goes positively shocking <laughs> Quite like the one liner though. Like, out of all of them so far, yeah, that that's definitely been... the best one yeah. so far. So uh, then we go into the intro sequence, which has a young woman painted gold in a bikini. She assumes various poses while scenes from the film to come are projected onto her, and credits roll on a black background to the tune of Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey, which everyone knows. Yeah, no need for us to sing it, I guess. Um, I mean, at this point in the podcast, I will already have played my. Yeah, version of I, it. I just want us to sing it to each other. I don't think that, that we need to th- go anywhere near. Actually, I think that would just be annoying to anyone. Like, oh, finger! <laughs> He's the man, <laughs> the man with the Midas touch. I can't actually remember. Fuck a it. spider's <laughs> touch. Of course, it's a spider's touch. <laughs> he beckons you into his web of sin, but, but don't, don't go, go in. in. <gasps> No, not anymore. Uh, I actually really enjoyed the intro to this. I think partially because of Goldfinger, the song being a banging tune. Oh. Oh. A banger. That is one of the first, like... A club banger. Yes, club banger Bond tunes that we've had, I think, in this season. <laughs> yeah. I've actually written down here, this is as close as Bond has ever come to art. Can Bond be art? In bold with a question mark. <laughs> Again, no excuse, you haven't had your teeth ripped out yet. <laughs> I don't know, can Von be art? Um, he's a reflection the of the it? times, isn't he? Like, you there's could a, track sort of... There's a piece of uh, stand-up from a uh, stand-up called Simon Munnery, who I really like, uh, and he's got a bit about can comedy be art? And it's to say, I'll just transpose Bond for comedy, and he says, uh, he's been described as the closest comedy can come to art, which implicitly implies that comedy cannot be art. Mm. Then he holds up a little Venn diagram of two circles that don't overlap, so I guess maybe not a Venn diagram, but he says, here's, here's comedy and here's art. Right in the centre of this, right in the centre of comedy, that's good comedy. Right in the centre of art, that's good art. Here's me, 
right at the very edge of comedy. <laughs> Almost art, but not art. Shit comedy coming perilously close to being shit art. <laughs> <laughs> danger, danger. <laughs> so maybe that's what Bond is doing here. Shit Bond shit. coming perilously close to being shit art. Um, there was also nothing outwardly gratuitous in uh, in this scene, apart from it being, you know, projected onto a bikini lady. It wasn't anything like the last one, where it was all tits flapping about and vaginas with Connery's name on it and everything. Yeah, yeah it still had that kind of shit feeling to it, of just, like, being a small broom cupboard thing <laughs> with studios of some guy with a model. Yes. <laughs> um, the girl in it uh, is actually Dink from the first scene or second scene. First, oh, okay. scene, first scene coming up here. Um, and uh, she has more screen time, therefore, than Jill Masterson <laughs> because of this uh, this uh, introduction scene. Well, she is, you know... Bond fact. After some wildly amateurish overhead establishing shots of Miami, we finally close in on Felix Leiter, who has aged horribly since Dr. No, walking poolside at a hotel. He approaches Bond, who is lying on a deck chair getting a massage from a woman called Dink. Uh, and he calls to him. Bond, seemingly genuinely happy to see him, sends his woman away with a slap on the arse and the pair chat. Felix tells Bond that this Miami holiday may not be quite so leisurely as he previously thought, as M has contacted the CIA and asked Felix to ask James to keep an eye on one Mr. Auric Goldfinger, who they suspect is up to no good, and who just so happens to be staying at the same hotel. Hmm, M, you clever shrew. Felix points out Goldfinger, who is making his way to a poolside card game with his pigeon. James observes from afar. This was the, the thing that... I did know going in because you told me yes there's the uh, our very first I think very it's prominent <laughs> it's, it's not it's not one of these ones where, oh should we ding should we not ding this is a full on <laughs> ding and I'll I like whistle and, and and wave my arms about while I'm saying it when he slaps dink on the ass and says man talk fuck off because <laughs> <laughs> what it says Felix how's he introduce him again it's like Ding crushes Felix, Felix crushes Ding. Say so, hello. Say hello to Felix, and then uh, she goes, Hello, Felix. And he says, Felix, say goodbye to Dink. Oh, and then yeah. she goes, What? And he goes, Man talk, and slaps her <laughs> on the arse, and she just leaves, and you never see her again. Da, da, da. <laughs> uh, Bond attempts to do a little zinger here as well. He says, Order Goldfinger, shows like a French nail polish. Fuck off. Uh, something about French nail polish, it just sounds like a 60s slur for gay. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he's a fan of French nail polish. Oh, don't I know it? Betty has a small car as well. <laughs> Let's go and play some fucking golf. <laughs> I will drive us there in my DB5. <laughs> vroom, vroom. <laughs> it's very strange, uh, from my understanding of these films so far, to introduce Bond and the villains so early. Seeing the like Bond so early is kind of almost standard by mm. nowadays Bond, but putting the villain in right away as well, and having the villain That's just be this true. fat fucker <laughs> waddling down the stairs. It was really annoying when he was going down. He just looked lost. Yeah. I don't know what it was. <laughs> it looked like one of those German tourists looking for his towel, like on a deck <laughs> chair, just sweating like, profusely yeah. coming up. Yeah. Uh, he, he looked crappy. <laughs> he looked scared. Yeah. I, I was, that's kind of reflected, though, because Bond doesn't take him seriously for the first half of the film. That waddling fat fucking pig. <laughs> oh. I'm more scared of him. Yeah, uh, he really doesn't take him seriously. 
James, now inside the hotel, walks the corridor outside Goldfinger's suite. As a maid passes, he grabs her keys, which she wears around her belt, and yanks both of them over to the door of Ulrich's room. He lets himself inside. On the balcony, he meets Jill Masterson, a young, scantily clad woman who, with the aid of a high-powered telescope and a walkie-talkie feeding directly into Goldfinger's hearing aid, is helping Ulrich cheat at cards. James introduces himself, startling her, and proceeds to tell Goldfinger through the walkie-talkie to begin losing at cards or be turned over to the Miami police. He does so. Bond then turns his attentions to Jill, who is just fucking flinging herself at him. He arranges a dinner date with her for later and also possibly fucks her on Goldfinger's bed. The dirty beggar. There's a lot of dings going on here, I think. For, for the second scene of the film, it's pretty fucking ding heavy. Yeah. So, I mean, at one point he asks, like, is he paying you just to help him cheat yeah. sort of thing? Yeah. So, Which is not the only time he does that in the film. He does that again. Oh, yeah, he does <laughs> literally, do it again. Literally just, I don't want sloppy seconds. Or that fat cunt. <laughs> but, uh, like, he, she says that she sort of escorts him, basically, to dinners and things like that. And yeah. that is all. Yeah. But, I mean, in a scene, I mean, I've just got the single sentence down, Bond abuses an escort. <laughs> like... <laughs> Bond does a lot of abuse. Um, he also like, get, gets on the radio to yeah. Goldfinger and is like, Oh, dude, now lose all your money. Also, when he grabs the keys off the maid, he lets himself into the room yes. and then he puts, oh his, puts his head back God. out and goes, You're very sweet. He and she be, just sort of walks on. Like, <laughs> she just sort of says, Do you know whose room this is? Like, this yeah. is Mr. Goldfinger. Essentially, he's very dangerous or whatever, rich, respected man. Yeah. He tells her she's very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Just slightly one like hair width away from slapping another arse like women. <laughs> she, uh, also, this this is the start of a, a downward slope of James Bond's failings as a spy here, where he makes literally no attempt yeah. to to not to let Goldfinger in on what he's doing and what his name is. And who he is as a person, and what his job is. <laughs> he literally says, I think, into the walkie-talkie, the name's Bond, James Bond. Yeah. And you go, okay, well that's the man I have to kill. <laughs> Bond watches him through the telescope start losing at cards, and this is my favourite part of the film, I think. He gets so angry, he snaps a pencil, and Bond hears it through the telescope. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hilarious. But yeah, it's just... <laughs> this scene's kind of stupid. To be honest, it's just... It's a very strange thing for Bond yeah. to do. Especially, he has no reason to do this. And he was just told to um, observe. Specifically observe. <laughs> and that comes up later as well. Well, that's what I've got. It's like, why would she do it? Why would he do it? Like, why would anyone go along with this madman? Well, <laughs> he, just... he's, he's quite hairy. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Move on. <laughs> Uh, as it turns out, the restaurant James mentioned in the previous scene is actually his bedroom. I get it. He's gross. Bond and Jill frolic and flirt on his bed. The pair make deeply uncomfortable small talk for a while before Bond hops into the kitchen to collect another bottle of champagne. While his head is buried in the fridge, a mysterious bowler-hatted figure approaches from behind and strikes him between the shoulder blades, knocking him unconscious somehow. Bond awakens sometime later to find Jill now dead and covered from head to toe in gold paint. Intrigue! There's a lot to to talk about in this one little scene. Um, well, my first comment is... What a wanker. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he, he That's makes... fair in any scene, though. <laughs> uh, the radio um, here, uh, this is fairly uh, fairly gross, where um, the radio says, uh, it's talking about the President of the United States, and it says, the President was entirely satisfied, and then James switches it off and goes, what makes two of us? Oh, yes. What gross. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked you to completion. 
Hello, Trevs. Hello. It's another bit as well where Felix phones him up and says, Hey, James, do you want to go to dinner? And James says, What the fuck was that? James goes, Something big's come up. He means his dick, Gerard. Does he? He does. He does mean that. He means his dick. And then, uh, what's her face? Jill goes, <laughs> what Bond calls her, what's her face? I don't know, Jill. Hello, oh, today's um, woman. She, not even she, Dink. What happened to Dink? Fuck knows what happened to Dink. But Jill... Uh, Just lying in a pool because she jumped in <laughs> forgot she couldn't swim or something. <laughs> so, James, uh, uh, Jill uh, goes like, oh, James, let's go out for dinner or some stupid shit. And James does not like being told where to go to dinner by ladies. <laughs> oh, that's he, true. He grabs her by the face and pushes her backwards <laughs> onto the bed. No! So... He makes some bullshit nonsense. It would be a crime to drink the champagne or Bollinger 60 blah. Yeah, I've got any temperature. Um, Dom Perignon uh, 53 above 38 degrees Fahrenheit. It's a sin. Almost as bad as listening to the Beatles about oh, earmuffs. Oh my god, it's so. I hate the Beatles because they're rockish. Only like big band music because it's the <laughs> 60s. But it's like Fuck it's just trying to be so self-aware and smug and yeah, awful. Yeah. The Beatles, the Beatles be... are a big thing, right? How, now. how long had the Beatles been a big thing at that point? It couldn't have been uh, that long. I think the first album was sixty-four. Yeah. yeah. So very strange to to attack the Beatles like that, uh, given their popularity. Attack? I thought he was like saying you can't appreciate it without you. No, he was. He was. Well, slagging them, mate. Oh wait, earmuffs is into earmuffs into the sound. Oh, I thought you meant like headphones or something. <laughs> no, no I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. All the things I read, I did think that initially, same as you. But then I, I the, um, the more I read about it, it did sound more and more like he was just saying that sounds like bad fucking noise. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it much funnier. <laughs> You never get to think of like what jo- uh, James Bond's music is like, but I bet it's crap. I just imagine it being like horrible Scottish bagpipe music, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or just um, audio tapes that he's made of girls screaming. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> One thing about the Beatles comment as well. My immediate thought when he said that was like, this sounds like um, Patrick Bateman getting ready to do a murder. <laughs> yeah, true, actually. Like he's putting a raincoat on while he's saying it. <laughs> well, I you do know have the a... thing about the Beatles is... <laughs> I do have my cycle moment down here where like, yeah. once he wakes up and she is dead and he is not for some reason. Yes. Um, he, well, he, he phones up Felix and just goes, Regaro's dead! <laughs> he does, <laughs> he, he does... doesn't specify... Like, because he, he asks him, he what, says, Dink? What, what girl? <laughs> it's like, Dink? It's like, no! A Goldfinger. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. It's just... So, the reason she's dead as well is because of skin suffocation. Yes. Which is bollocks. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely, completely made up. Yeah, so he really shouldn't have given Goldfinger his name. At this point, because mm. Goldfinger presumably went, James Bond, alright, what brings rooms up, brings up, in? Which room is James Bond in? And the 60s hotels, they just fucking tell you anything, apparently. <laughs> James Bond, 32B, and then they say, alright, um, I'm gonna send uh, his friend up, he's a small Korean man, can't talk very well, uh, just let him in. <laughs> alright, yeah. <laughs> it's a surprise! We're going to, we're going to paint something gold, 
before him. Oh. A nice gold surprise. So she died through skinsification. Yeah. So she would have had to sit still for quite a long time. That and why? Why was there no noise when this man entered the room? <laughs> and she must have been able to see him, or she at least like you know. There's two people in that room, basically. How do they secretly karate chop <laughs> just one of them? <laughs> it's, it, it's Bond. Okay, it's fair enough. I'm having Fuck a, you, a, a, a partridge moment. <laughs> <laughs> I love our partridge moments. Um, the, a rumour went around at the time, and it's still partially believed to this day, that uh, Shirley Eaton, who played Jill Masterson, actually literally died of skin suffocation <laughs> while shooting this scene. So... People believed that this woman died from this bollocks thing that doesn't make sense and doesn't mm-hmm. happen. And they still believe it now. <laughs> Some people still go, oh yeah, that girl died while doing oh, Bond. Poor cow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like how they used her actual corpse, so very good. <laughs> For the scene and all the promotional yeah, material. It felt tasteful the way they did it. It felt tasteful. But um, yeah, she's still alive as well. <laughs> hello, hello, ratty. No, no. No, no, you're dead, no. love. No. <laughs> what a shame. So, uh, with Goldfinger being a little bit of a prick here, mm-hmm. uh, murdering a woman, um, it's probably a good time to bring up Goldfinger's name. That uh, It was uh, quite, quite widely known um, that uh, Goldfinger's name uh, was taken basically directly from the modernist architect Erno Goldfinger, who was, I think, the cousin or the husband or something of James Bond's golf partner. That couldn't be a husband, a golf <laughs> partner. <laughs> of James Bond. I'm sorry, I'm Ian Fleming. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Ian Fleming's uh, cousin's... No, Ian Fleming's golf partner's cousin or something. And he didn't really like him. He didn't like the way uh, Goldfinger did his business. Um, so He made him a fat prick. He made him a, a fat prick in a movie. And uh, Erno Goldfinger actually threatened to file a lawsuit against Fleming. Mm-hmm. And then Fleming sent back a letter to him offering to change the name of the character to Gold Prick. <laughs> And then settled the matter out of court just by giving him money. That's a very, there's a power play there. It's a brutal way to deal with that. I'll change the character's name to Gold Fucking Cock if you don't want. <laughs> he just gives him a wad of twenties and goes fuck off. So that was literally the gold member joke from yeah. Austin Powers. Yeah, essentially, yeah. <laughs> Fleming did it first, although substantially. No, I'd say more funny to me. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. funny to me. Uh, Bond, now back in MI6 HQ, debriefs M on the events in Miami. He tells him that Jill was murdered by skin suffocation, which is bollocks. M chides 007 for failing to just observe Goldfinger, instead opting to steal his girlfriend and make a bitch of him. James apologises, but asks to remain on the case. M agrees and tells Bond to meet him in Black Tie Get Up later that evening to learn more of the details of the case. Bond then leaves, briefly flirting with Moneypenny on the way out before M once again buzzes through and makes him look like a div. Apparently this exact sequence is required in every James Bond film. Yes, at first it was a bit refreshing because I got used to like... But now it's just... It's just every team, you know yeah. exactly what's happening, and there's the hat throwing. Oh, this time the hat throwing was subverted because yeah. Money Penny did it, and she threw it a damn sight further than Bond ever has done. I like how he looks after that. <laughs> what? How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I really, really enjoy. 
the line here. This might be my favorite line of any Bond film, where uh, Money Penny asks James to dinner, and he says, "Oh, I've got other plans tonight." And she goes, "Oh, James, who is she?" And M bothers her and goes, "She is me." Yeah, kinky devil. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's also um, probably quite dangerous to put a, a well-known and now enraged psychopath with a genuine reason for revenge back on this case. No. No. Well, um, no. In fairness, M does say to Bond, um, I need you to stay cold and objective throughout this, which, to be fair to Bond, is no fucking problem whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, <fair laughs> not, a, not an issue. <laughs> I'm quite psychopathic, you <laughs> Later that evening, James meets with M and the head of the Bank of England to discuss what MI6's interest in Goldfinger is. As it turns out, they suspect he's taking gold bullion from the British reserves, melting it down so as to make it untraceable, smuggling it illegally into other countries where its resale value is higher and making a mint while simultaneously screwing up the value of the pound or something. Bond is given a literal brick of Nazi gold to lure Auric into a business <laughs> meeting and sent to get equipped at Q Branch. Fucking hell. <laughs> My first comment to you is just arseholes <laughs> because this entire scene is just three complete fucking wankers <laughs> sitting at a yeah. dinner table. The dinner table is huge. They're <laughs> using three seats of it. <laughs> using three seats down at one end. They're all trying to outwanker each other yeah, as well. I put, is he like I'm noticing a theme as well, like, is he actually just getting more smug because he makes like another comment about Booze, like similar yeah. to the Dong Perion pish. Yeah, before. yeah, he says, he says something like, um, uh, the Bank of England man says, um, oh, this isn't very good, I apologise for it, and M goes, I think it smells fine, and then Bond knows exactly what's wrong with it, mm. and he makes M look like a, a bitch, but then you think about it, and I'm starting to believe James Bond is just an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. So him knowing exactly what's wrong <laughs> with it, it's just like, oh. Still drink it. <clears throat> Pounded yeah. down. He, he did still pound it, yeah. Uh, I I don't know if I loved or hated the fact that the scheme there is no actual danger. It's it's literally just a fat man screwing with currency rates. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Well he has to be stopped, get him killed, James. Saliba <laughs> thing all over again. <laughs> How much gold is he smuggling to fuck a country's like economy so much that it literally cannot be that much when we discover later how he's doing it, which we'll, we'll save for later. But... Oh, it's stupid. It's, there's so... There's many, many better ways to... And it's not... It's just not enough to like, be as evil as they're trying to make him out to be. No, no, it doesn't. He's actually quite a petty criminal. He's honestly the pettiest criminal I think I've ever seen in a James Bond film. Although... No. Well, that, yeah. That, this is not strictly his actual. He ramps it up, but no one has any idea. <laughs> That's true enough, yeah. James makes his way to Q Branch to get equipped for his mission ahead. While there, he's given possession of our very first proper Bond car, an Aston Martin DB5. Equipped with a bulletproof windscreen, hilarious revolving number plates. Transmitting devices complete with insanely loud radar on the dashboard, a smokescreen, an oil slick generator, machine guns, and a passenger ejector seat. This apparently being an entirely vehicle-based mission, James leaves with nothing else. Not even the briefcase. No briefcase. <laughs> that was so handy. No, because that's that's, that's not, not handy that's not anymore. That's not an issue anymore. You can't have the briefcase. However, now. an Aston Martin <laughs> DB5, that shit. Oh yeah, the first question he asks, again, just 
on the theme of him being a cunt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's my Bentley? Yeah. <laughs> I want my Bentley. <laughs> James Bond loves his Bentley. To an almost damaging degree. <laughs> One thing I don't like about Bond films is whenever we go to Q Branch, I love Q Branch, I love oh, Q yeah, as a character. Yeah, yeah. Um, even, um, what's his name? Um, ben. Ben Wishaw? Ben Wishaw, the new one. I like him a lot too, even though he's not quite as good as, as the old school, like, just man that's going to go, oh, shut up, Bond, I'm teaching you about <laughs> spying. Um, so, this is our first uh, visit to Q Branch. Um, and we see uh, films immediate... are a bit like Spectre <laughs> Island in many ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it certainly does. Immediately when when the scene fades in, we see a parking meter that shoots tear gas, and I just have to question: <laughs> at what point is that going to be helpful? <laughs> what application could that possibly? Have? Okay, well, imagine that in a Bond type situation, the bad guy's got him. <laughs> right, right, mate. I know you're going to kill me, but can I just go and top up my meter <laughs> outside? Otherwise, my car's going to get towed, and That's then you can very shoot Very important me. to me. Can you can come you... out with me as well? Make sure, you? make sure I'm not doing anything untoward. <laughs> can you just check the meter there? <laughs> How much have I got left while I've this money? Gotcha, you bastard! <laughs> James as well, he's, he sighs here, he sighs at Q and rolls his eyes when Q says, I won't take your attention more than an hour. James goes, oh Jesus Christ, an hour. Oh no, I've got to be given a brand new Ashton Martin car and super secret cool I mean, spy tech for an hour. An hour! <laughs> the stuff he gives him has only shaved his life once or twice or something. <laughs> Q, Q Branch is literally the only only reason that man is alive. Yeah. It's like, oh no, do you know what I could do in an hour? I could fuck three women. <laughs> uh, Bond, now deep undercover, has infiltrated the country club at which Goldfinger plays golf and finagles a game with him. As the two play, Goldfinger reveals that he knows Bond is not only there for golf and asks, hey, what your deal is? Bond responds by, to put it mildly, showing him the bullion of Nazi gold he was given by MI6. Goldfinger is, of course, interested and proposes a wager that whoever wins the rest of the game wins the bar or the £5,000 cash equivalent. Bond, like a fucking lunatic, agrees. (laughs) And what follows is what I can only describe as farcical golf treachery on the part of Bond, which ultimately sees him coming out the winner of the bet. So... To start with the treachery, the treachery is that... Uh, I he... called it gamesmanship. <laughs> <laughs> Bondsmanship. He switches out Goldfinger's ball uh, towards uh, on the 17th hole or something, mm. and that means that Goldfinger... Yeah, he makes sure he agrees to some set of old-school rules yeah, yeah. or something like this. Although, interestingly, that set of old-school rules does allow the switching of a ball <laughs> once per, per hole or something, so... It is entirely possible that he could have done that and not lost the game, but he still lets him let him fucking win it. And um, uh, he also James Bond just straight up cheats in this by standing on Goldfinger's ball, yeah. which I'm, I'm okay. He's spying, but at the same time, there was no need to put that <laughs> bet in place. He could have went, "Oh no, I can't bet that. That's five thousand pounds worth of gold. I'm not letting it ride on a golf game. We'll talk about business." And yeah, then we'll- but. How would he know that he's Big Billy Big Boss just well, here to... I guess by the way he shows him the goal <laughs> <That's> <laughs> while he's making a short putt just <laughs> clunking it down on the green with the swastika side <laughs> up. And? <laughs> <laughs> what? 
It's just the gauchest thing I've ever fucking seen in my life. Just bonk! <laughs> There's your Nazi gold right there, you prick! So is he... How does he introduce himself to him? Does he call himself James Bond? I can't remember. He does. He does call himself James Bond, yeah. So, I mean... <laughs> he's already fucked his women and... Like, he, knows. he knows who he is. He, he had him unconscious in the room. How could he not know who he is? He would have had a look at him. At least Oddjob. Oddjob is also here. Oddjob uh, speaks for the first time. Oddjob speaks. Oddjob the man <laughs> who you're not allowed to go in GoldenEye 64 death matches. Not you're not. <laughs> he speaks by going... Ah, ah. Yeah, it's really odd because even when he's speaking to other Korean folk, mm. he still does that. I think uh, it's explained in the book as him having a cleft palate. Is it a thing of its time to just make up like a random... Yes, like... absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Should ah, he get a ding? It'd be like saying, yeah, yeah, the, the, well, he's just this much of a like, complete idiot because of Also, some... I mean, this is nitpicking for a ding, I think, but uh, Odd Job played by someone called Harold Sakura, Sakurata, something like I that. I did see his name, but I can't remember. Something, something along the lines, I'm sorry to whoever knows um, that, but um, Odd Job is a Korean and... Harold is a, a, a Japanese man, so there's there's a little <laughs> let's do a double thing there just for that. Um, appropriately for that thing, he is also a wrestler, a pro Japanese wrestler, or was before he died. Um, okay, there you go. There's a Bond fact, an incredibly boring Bond fact. Du, du, du. Here's another one for you. When an incredibly uh, boring <laughs> Bond, this fact. is this is an incredibly boring Bond fact. <laughs> when Goldfinger's ball goes in the rough, he uses a number one driver to get it out. <laughs> you can't do that in the rough. Ugh, that Eddie. What a fucking fat German turd. Um, I do not understand why Bond bet. That I, I said I do not understand why he bet the bar. That is literally his most valuable asset in this mission, and he's just put it up like fifty-fifty grab, basically. Um, it's just to show him I've got pure tangerine. I don't care. <laughs> Look at all this Nazi gold I shall have. <laughs> So, uh, Goldfinger here, uh, played by uh, Gert Fröb, uh, and he was the second choice for Goldfinger after Orson Welles. What? <laughs> Orson Welles. Orson Welles was too expensive, so they went for Gert Fröb, and uh, Fröb, um, once he was on board, then started a pay dispute with Eon Productions, and he wanted 10% of all of the film's earnings, <laughs> which is millions. <laughs> I mean, I, it's at least $3 million, I think, from my, my mind of 60s money. That is a ton of money. There's a but he's not even famous. No, but he, <laughs> uh, he was, he's in a few things beforehand. He started in a film with Sean Connery, actually, beforehand. Okay. But, well, let's compare him to, say, Orson Welles. <laughs> yes, no, uh, we all know Orson Welles. <laughs> we don't, I mean, you think, Gert Fröb, who do you think? Oh, Goldfinger, that one. For... <laughs> but, um, it's a complete fucking piss take as well, because Connery... After a, a, a pay dispute of his own, after he got injured on set, got his earnings raised to 5% of the film. <laughs> so this one-off character yeah, who yeah. could be easily replaced by any actor. Gert didn't deliver any of his own lines because his accent was too thick, or I think he delivered two of his Why own lines. Why did he keep doing that? <laughs> I, don't I don't understand the logic behind it. Oh, we're just overed up. Just get someone who yep. can speak. Uh, and... The lines he did deliver, he had to be coached through by Nikki <laughs> Vanderzeel, who has done all the um, Sylvia Trench and um, uh, Honey Rider. She did their dubbing as well in the last two films. 
she had to dialogue coach him to deliver two lines, which I believe were, um, uh, I expect you to die. And what was the other one? Accept crime, which is one of my <laughs> oh, favorite fucking bits. Yes. We'll get to this. <laughs> but she had to coach him how to do them. And also, he needed a body double for the golf scenes because he wasn't good enough at golf to play it properly. <laughs> Nothing of that film is you. <laughs> I kind of get, like, maybe the dubbing of the woman because... Well, no, I don't. But, like, to a certain extent, like... Well, you're going to say They are renowned because of their beauty, they're their bodies, and... They're renowned because of their, and... their giant 60s tits waggling all over the place. Yeah. Basically. Pretty much. But, yeah. I mean, that's something that's I mean, um, fairly... Tatiana Romanova played by a Miss Universe, of course. So. Yeah, so that's something that's quite like, oh, look, it's a Miss Universe. Mm. Oh, look, it's a fat German. <laughs> it's like, go down to any beach and you'll find that. <laughs> oh, zinging left and right. <laughs> um, also, Froeb, another little Bond fact for you. God, I hate Froeb. Well, well, cop a load of this one. <laughs> Was in the Nazi party as an active member. Fuck me! <laughs> That's where his big brass balls come from. <laughs> and Be- and because of his activity in the Nazi party and the film's prominent use of nerve gas mm, later on, and Nazi gold, <laughs> and Nazi gold, he was banned in Israel for nearly a decade or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, normally I find people being too sensitive, but that one is... Mm, it cuts. It cuts <laughs> close to the bone, that one, doesn't it? Also, I think Bond's caddy was retarded. <laughs> now post-game, Bond watches Oddjob load Goldfinger's clubs into the back of his car. <laughs> Don't you just try to <laughs> drop that and walk on. Now post-game, Bond watches Oddjob load Goldfinger's clubs into the back of his car. In an opportune moment, James slips the tracking device into the vehicle's boot in the most conspicuous and awkwardly guilty way possible. Auric approaches and warns Bond that he recognises him from Miami, because obviously he does. Uh, he made no attempt to disguise himself or his name, uh, and warns him off pursuing him further by having Oddjob decapitate a statue by chucking his sharpened bowler hat at it, before cutting James a cheque for his golf victory and driving away. Bond activates his super loud radar tracker on his dashboard and watches Goldfinger's signal speed through the English countryside. So that fucking hat, what the fuck? Is that in the book? I don't know, I think it is. It's just so weird. <laughs> Why not have a revolver? <laughs> <laughs> At least you don't have to go just get pick gun. your bullets up afterwards. <laughs> um... The statue decapitation looked fucking shit, though. Yes, it was funny. It's very. Funny. It wasn't intimidating. No, no. it was just bizarre. <laughs> if you if you keep pursuing me, this will happen. Right, who are you going to pick up your hat, idiot? <laughs> uh, also, odd job. Um, uh, Bond gives him the the golf ball back, and odd job just crushes it in oh, his hand. Yeah. And that's hilarious. It was the campest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. He just looks at him like. like Little squinty eyes, squinty in the sense that he was squinting. He was squinting. He was he was <laughs> giving he was giving him a glare. Not he was Japanese. Um, he squints him with his eyes, and he he um he just crushes his golf ball like oh James Bond. <laughs> it's very funny, very calm. Little does he know that only arose. <laughs> it, I'm very very glad that. Um, Goldfinger recognises Bond here because uh, in the previous films he wouldn't have done that. Yeah, he's yes. screaming at my laptop but this time he does and 
fine, good, acceptable, move on. Um, this is something that comes up a, a few things for me as well. Uh, Bond's tracking device. Hmm. Why does it need to be primed? What he needs to like slide the back of it off and then click it back on like he's loading a gun or something in it. I guess just for the battery. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll go with battery. I've got I've got a, a reason for his personal tracking device, but we'll see that that doesn't really factor into the film in any sense when it comes up. You're asking about our job in the book, and this is a this is a little section of the book uh, that I, I have happened to uh, stumble across uh, mm. in my in my research. That after the golf game um, in the book, Goldfinger actually invites Bond into his house, and Bond snoops around, but realizes he's being filmed. Uh, so his response to this is to overexpose the film. He takes it out of the the camera to you know expose yep. it to the light in it, you know, um, and then he makes it look like Goldfinger's cat is to blame. So Goldfinger gives his cat to Oddjob for supper. Oh, <sighs> that's not good, is it? It hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> um, after this, we see a very very brief scene of Goldfinger boarding his flight for Geneva. Having followed him, Bond also boards a flight that flies later to Geneva. What an exciting scene this was. Car chases light special effects. Bond waiting for an M <laughs> to take off. <laughs> Bond tails Goldfinger through the winding roads of the Swiss Alps. His focus is broken, however, when a young lady in an open-top car zooms past him. He considers racing her, but thinks better of it. Oddjob and Goldfinger stop and stretch their legs briefly, and Bond exits his car to watch them from a distance too. As he does, we see the woman who sped past him earlier take aim from afar with a sniper rifle. She takes a shot at Bond, though by accident or on purpose, misses. She and Bond jump back into their cars and race along the road after one another. Bond activates his car's side-mounted tyre breakers, which was never mentioned at Q Branch, um, and runs her off the road with them. He stops his car and runs over to help her. He offers to drive her to the nearest garage. She accepts, and he loads her things into his car. The pair conduct a brief conversation in which it's made very clear that James suspects that she's not quite who she says she is, which happens to be a professional ice skater. He drops her off at the garage, peering suspiciously at her the entire time, before heading back after Goldfinger, who he now follows to Auric Enterprises, which is Goldfinger's very own personal company. you think they might have just looked at from the start. Shut up. I wonder where Goldfinger's <laughs> going, maybe to his legitimate business. Is it Switzerland he is going to? Yes, that is where his legitimate business resides, yes. That is where it is Put headquartered. Put the tracker on him. <laughs> Boys. It seems necessary to put a tracker on him, so I'm going to. There's a bit where, like, because she's sort of tailgating him and peeping her horn at him, mm-hmm. and then she gets by him. Mm. Bond looks over, sees her, and then mutters to, like, he, he goes to sort of start accelerating after yeah. her, mutters to himself, discipline 007, discipline. Yeah, yeah. And then settles back in his chair. It's, is he literally... Like, he doesn't have any clue. It's just a woman in a car. Just a woman. It's his discipline... He has no idea, no. His discipline is simply not chasing after, like, a dog slash rapist. Well, I've, I've written down here, it sounds like he's talking himself down from doing a rape. Is what it sounds like. Like, it literally... Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like, no, we talked about this. We talked about this, James. Don't be a bad boy, James. <laughs> Put away little James. Put away <laughs> little James. Starts furiously masturbating in his car. <laughs> oh, James Bond's gotten sad in his <laughs> That would be Trevor Bond. I had no idea what was happening in this scene. This is where I stopped watching for the first sort of chunk of it. So I just, oh, what is going on? I can't follow this now. 
Does she know who he is? Does he know who she is? I don't think Why so. does she shoot at Bond? <laughs> did she mean to shoot at Bond? Uh, why did he offer her a lift? Why does she accept if he knows that she shot at him? Why does she accept if, if she shot at him in the first place? <laughs> There's so much just going on that was left oh, unexplained. <laughs> it was really strange. The thing that like, really made me laugh was the tire blaster thing. <laughs> And he almost straight up kills her for... Mm-hmm. It, again, he doesn't seem to recognise that it was her that... At this point, it was her that almost killed him. Mm-hmm. But then he chases her, kind of rams off the road, and then she looks at the side of her car that has, like... <laughs> looks like someone's taken a massive tin opener to it, yep. and then, damn, my tyres burst. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I've heard that can happen. <laughs> Shifty eyes left and right. Discipline double <laughs> And also, again, just my note is has he forgotten he's a spy? Because <laughs> the bit where Goldfinger stops outside the road to get like a bit of food or something mm. from a um, roadside cellar, mm. he's just standing with his hands <laughs> yeah, and his yeah. hips. All Odd has to do is look to the right and he'll go, ah, 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 James. <laughs> So you've got a tracker so you can be at a safe distance, but the first second you get, you just proudly, literally display yourself in the top of a mountain. <laughs> Here I am! Witness me! <laughs> I am death incarnate! Bond hides in the nearby woods, observing Auric Enterprises from afar until he can infiltrate further under the cover of night. Once darkness falls, he makes his way inside the compound, very quickly locating the beating heart of their operation, a smelting room. Conveniently, he has stumbled upon this room at the exact moment at which Goldfinger has opted to show his mysterious associate, Mr. Ling, around. And even more conveniently, literally explain in frankly laborious detail exactly how his illegal gold smuggling operation works. By forging his gold bullion into the bodywork of his car, which he takes through customs with no issue, only to smelt down into bullion once more once he is safely in the continent. Bond, having seen enough, makes his way back into the woods. Once there, he spots the woman he helped at the garage earlier, taking aim at Goldfinger with her rifle. Needing Auric alive, Bond wrestles her into submission. He asks what she's doing, and she tells him she plans to avenge her sister. From this and the monogram on her rifle case, Bond quickly pieces together that she is Tilly Masterson, sibling to Jill. There's no time to talk, however, as it turns out that in their tussle, uh, Tilly's rifle barrel has inadvertently tripped a wire alerting the guards to their presence the pair flee to Bond's car and take off into the night what the fuck is that trip wire doing there this is a very important <laughs> one metre of ground no you shut up it literally covers a metre so, and it's exactly where she decided to put and it's really obvious as well the wood is just stuck straight in with a really... and at this point James has literally completed his mission yeah <laughs> like he knows how he gets the gold in. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Just wait until they're driving, stop them at customs, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Job done. I guess they kind of almost allude to that, though, in the fact that they, they have to have the wire trip, so no, like James's true, mission true. is done here. But, um, yeah, you're very right. The mission is completely finished now. But from this point on, he's basically the prisoner of true. Goldfinger until yeah, the end of the okay, film. fair enough. Yeah, it's full on Bond wank though. This film, this, uh, this scene is what I've got written down here. The Bond stumbling across the thing right at the right time to get the plan explained perfectly to him, which happens twice in this <laughs> film. So, 
Um, Such a stupid idea as well. And okay, so gold is an incredibly soft metal. Mm, I do not mm. think it would function as the body for a car. I guess like the chassis is, if it's still metal, like steel or whatever, maybe, probably not. No. (laughs) (laughs) Gold literally caves in under the weight of itself. Yeah, evaporates, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, probably not brilliant, fair enough. (laughs) No, but I I get the feeling that uh, the producers of this film, and perhaps Ian Fleming himself, didn't really do a lot of research into the chemical properties of gold. Because a lot of the things they expect Gold to do in this film, it's just unrealistic. <laughs> they serve as the chassis for a car. No, it will not do that. Yeah, the, the previous scene, this annoyed me. The previous scene, the whole confusing thing that I just mentioned, is, is explained away um, by Bond basically going, why did you shoot at me? And Tilly goes, I missed, I'm a bad shot. Just watching the screen, my face just drops and I go, that's not an explanation for a shit scene before <laughs> it was a mistake that's you can't do that in a film it's and awful why did he pretend he didn't know so she goes oh, wait yeah <laughs> just, why didn't you ask that in the last <laughs> just to go back on with this she says oh I, I missed and he goes you're a bad shot and then someone shoots at them and he goes but someone around here isn't hmm. what are you basing that on they missed as well <laughs> yeah, writing is god awful it's not a woman is it <laughs> True, true, it's probably an Asian man. Just as bad, in my opinion. Bond. Bond. (laughs) There's another bit of really shit dialogue here where he goes, I know your sister Jill, I know what he did in Miami. And she goes, no you don't, let me go. I think from the information he's literally just given you, I know your sister Jill, (laughs) I know she died in Miami, (laughs) and I know how it happened. And she goes, nah, probably not, mate. Arguably the reason it happened. (laughs) (laughs) One could suggest that he was a a catalyst in her death. Yes. (laughs) Played a part. Bond and Tilly speed through the surrounding forest, attempting to shake their pursuers. During this, James gets an opportunity to show off his car's various defence mechanisms, much to the delight of Tilly. Eventually, though, they run into a dead end and are forced into a shootout. Tilly runs for cover behind some bracken, but Oddjob's there too, just forget about it, manages to bean her to death with his hat. Bond, now uncharacteristically affected by the death of a woman, stops fighting and gives himself up. He's forced back into his own car, now under the supervision of an armed guard, and made to drive back to Auric Enterprises. Since when did Bond give such a fuck about a dead woman? Yeah, I think it's just... He hadn't fucked her yet. <laughs> so Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the... the because remember, Discipline 007, he's had this one chopped down for a while. To... <laughs> so Bond sends her to run into some bracken as well, and this is where she dies. But Oddjob hits her with a hack. Uh, his hat. Um, Fifteen men shooting her with guns <laughs> yes. cannot, but one man with a slightly weighted hat can hit her as she runs through a forest. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure why that was a safe thing to run. I mean, the car is literally bulletproof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Bond just, uh, if one of them had to go, yeah. might as well <laughs> pin the woman. <clears throat> we got another one of a, uh, uh, do you remember from Dr. No? Where the um, the hearse chasing after them rolls sedately down a hill. Yes, and it explodes. We get exactly the same thing. The car starts to go downhill and explodes. It's just like literally like a, 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 a I don't know, a twenty five degree decline or something. It's yeah, really they could have shallow. Hit the brakes, probably. <laughs> as soon as it hits the first bump, it... <laughs> it's just literally a blaze. It's so. 
Incredibly wank. On wank, exactly. <laughs> like 60s, 70s filmmaking did that a lot, though. Yeah, and it's also like Bond wank when it's like, right, you're getting your own car now. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, get in your special spy car and you drive it it's, also. It's got machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> this scene is not in the book, and Tilly does not die here in the book. Okay. Um, instead, this is just a quote I want to read out because the way they wrote it was very funny. Um, instead, Bond and Tilly are captured outside Auric Enterprises and brought in. Once inside, Bond repeatedly headbutts Goldfinger until Oddjob <laughs> intervenes and subdues him. <laughs> oh, why wasn't that scene? <laughs> There's no reason why not. I'm furious I didn't make it in, to be honest. Bond and his captors are waved into the grounds of Auric Enterprises by a delightful old woman manning the barrier. Bond spies an opportunity to use another one of his spy car gadgets and uh, presses the hitherto frankly useless eject passenger button concealed in his gear stick. His guard is violently ejected from the vehicle and James speeds away, weaving through the narrow passageways of the complex, doing rather a good job of avoiding the guards until he finds himself in an alleyway too narrow to turn in with an enemy car speeding towards him. Unable to stop it with machine gun fire and unwilling to crash head-on into another car, Bond steers his Aston Martins were nearby wall, knocking himself unconscious in the process. Oddjob approaches and surveys the scene, allowing himself a small chuckle as he realises that the headlights of the enemy car Bond was trying to avoid were simply his own, reflected in a conveniently placed mirror. Bond was tricked like you might trick a cat. <laughs> what? what I don't get in this whole thing, really, mm. is... Why did he just drive into a wall rather than, I don't know, Break. apply the brakes? <laughs> I guess he thought the other car was coming towards him, so maybe if it's like speeding in, he applies the brakes, then he's just going to shunt him backwards, it's still going to be as bad. Well, it's just it, The whole scene I thought was just a bit... Because I knew it had something to do with the mirror, because our job smiles at the mirror. Yeah, it is. But, he, he affected his own headlights. It was a bit crap, like, the whole reason. <laughs> it was a bit convoluted. And, and James contrived. Bond smashes his car up because he saw his reflection. <laughs> it's like, like a cat. <laughs> he got frightened. He's meant to be the best spy in the world, so just... Uh, I actually really liked the scene with the driving. I thought for a 60s film, the stunt driving was yeah, really, was really good. It maintained the illusion of... It of felt speed and danger. It felt quite claustrophobic. Yeah. Apparently that was done with like, Painwood Studios, I think, just in between the big um, That's cool. stages. Yeah. It felt a little bit like Scooby-Doo in Cars. There is even, <laughs> even one point where Bond drives forwards through the shot up into the distance, and then a car drives from the left-hand side of the screen over to the right, looking for yes. it, like, coming out <laughs> of a different room in a, like, a hotel lobby or something. But... And also the ejection seat. Oh, fuck, that's so brutal. <laughs> it just dumps oh. a man on his neck. <laughs> <laughs> it does, it's so horrible. With the weight of a seat. I expected him to shoot into the air and like have a, uh, a parachute. like Because <laughs> in case like John, James Bond needed to eject his passenger, like mm. someone who was actually his passenger, it's like... Can I see he's dead? <laughs> just dumps a man on his neck, like he's dead. <laughs> James Bond awakens to find himself strapped to a table. Goldfinger looms over him, gloating that he knows who he is and who he works for, which, honestly, he really should at this point, because James <laughs> just keeps telling him. 
He turns on a high-powered laser beam aimed between Bond's legs. The beam begins to cut through the metal of the table and slowly works its way up to 007's groin. James sort of panics and bluffs that if he should die, 008, who also knows all about the mysterious Mr. Ling and Goldfinger's Operation Grand Slam, will replace him. Somehow swayed by this argument, Auric decides that Bond is worth more to him alive and tranquilizes him, and James passes out again. This is uh, one of the, the, the most iconic lines, I think, in a, a James Bond film, at least delivered by a villain, where he goes, um, do you expect me to talk? And he goes, in his uh, yes. actual, actual voice, and he goes, No! <laughs> no, I expect you to die! <laughs> iconic. <laughs> and again, it is very, very cliche to complain about James Bond being captured in a convoluted way in these films and yeah, you say just yeah, shoot yeah. him but literally just shoot him <laughs> <laughs> but it's very interesting to see that um, James uh, actually the, 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 the best way to make James Bond actually feel something was to threaten his dick <laughs> that's true <laughs> something akin to fear <laughs> yeah, almost almost yeah you've had your fun now Goldfinger wait <laughs> I'm not you're being silly <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I was confused by this scene quite a lot. I don't understand why 008 coming in, knowing the same stuff that 007 knows, is any bigger of a threat to Goldfinger. It didn't really resonate. Yeah, with me. I don't understand yeah, why. it seemed a bit of a pish way to get out of your situation. Mm. <laughs> it was. See, I. I think it was The Simpsons, was it, where uh, in the Hank Scorpio, Hank Scorpio episode, yes. where he, he uses his watch to reflect the laser beam at, back at it and it explodes. <laughs> I thought that was like a better. <laughs> I because I don't remember Goldfinger at all. I thought that was how it happened in Goldfinger. I thought, oh, I know how this ends. Bond reflects his watch at it, but no, he just talks his way out of it by really shit logic. No, it was much much more uh, interesting and exciting in Hank Scorpio. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed a bit shit, really. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was a bit crap. But, uh, in the book, uh, Bond actually submits and agrees to work for Goldfinger, and Goldfinger has him and Tilly um, just doing secretarial work for a while. That's lovely. <laughs> oh, it's like that quiz. It's very fun. I love the idea of Bond being forced into secretarial work for a start. It's That's more humiliating fun. and probably scarier to him than his dick getting burned yeah. off with a laser. This is a woman's Um... I question, though, the sanity of putting probably the world's most dangerous spy in charge of your admin. Yes, that is also true. Oh, just... I'll screw him on this tax return. <laughs> Who ordered six million pensions? <laughs> it was I. Da, 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 da. <laughs> this is inconvenient. <laughs> what am I to do with them? It takes up, why, nearly half the room. <laughs> So I'm doing Sean Connery's voice. <laughs> it's better if it's in Goldfinger's mangled German <laughs> accent. What might do with them? Yeah. Why takes up nearly half the bloody room? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how I'm doing Goldfinger quotes from now on. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Bond begins probably like the third or fourth or whatever scene in a row where he's slowly drifting into consciousness. This time, however, his eyes focus on a woman. As he awakes, she introduces herself as Pussy Galore, Goldfinger's personal pilot. She tells him that Auric has decided to keep Bond as his guest, and as such is taking him to Kentucky for an as yet unknown reason. So he should just sit quietly and not be a prick, basically. 
Bond agrees to sit quietly, not to not be a prick, because he's a total prick here, <laughs> and orders our very first proper martini, shaken not stirred, of the podcast, which I believe, bottom fact, is the only martini shaken not stirred that Sean Connery's James Bond ever orders. Mm. Yeah. Um, he orders this from the plane's hostess, May Lee. Uh, he also requests his luggage so he can change it to something more appropriate. A request which he, a super spy, is just granted. <laughs> yes, and... He heads into the bathroom and changes into a dapper grey suit and activates and hides his mini tracking device in the sole of his shoe. Now dressed snappily and beeping loudly from his feet, he emerges <laughs> just as the plane is descending to land. My favourite mm. bit, in terms of just being so stupid... Is Pussy Glore introduces herself as Goldfinger's yeah. personal pilot, and then Bond asks, "Where's Goldfinger?" <laughs> <laughs> and she says, "You flew ahead." <laughs> that went past me. It's just it's its mundaneness that makes me laugh <laughs> because it's just That's I dumb. do this job. I am not doing this job. <laughs> uh, she introduces herself as. Um, Pussy galore, and Bond says, "Oh, I must be dreaming." So let's let's ding that because that's fucking. And gross. what the fuck is with the name Pussy Galore? We're gonna get to this. Uh, let me tell you what the original line was. Uh, my name is Pussy Galore, and James Bond says, "I know you are, but what's your name?" Oh, for fuck's sake! That's, that's rubbish. <laughs> it's just but, gross. I mean, it's only if only is worth doing mm. if the name. It's like a clever pun. Yeah, well, it's I guess like, it's it, it's a pun. It, <laughs> I don't know if it has the clever. But it's like it. it's not a name particularly. Like, it, yeah. it's just you might as well call yourself like Fanny Aplenty. <laughs> it's like, at least Fanny was a name. <laughs> that's that's Trevor Bond's one. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Fanny Aplenty, brilliant. Um, they consider changing the name to Kitty Galore, but this is a direct quote from Guy Hamilton. <laughs> This is so weird. If you were a ten-year-old boy and you knew what the name meant, you weren't a ten-year-old boy. You were a dirty little bitch. <laughs> it explains a lot about the moral compass of this film. <laughs> That's the director. Well, oh, you're not a ten-year-old boy at all. <laughs> It's like Uncle Monty from Wiffnew and I. You're a dirty little bitch. <laughs> it goes on, it says, The American censor was concerned, but we got round that by inviting him and his wife out to dinner and told them we were big supporters of the Republican Party. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm beginning to really, really like this guy. I don't think he was taking anything seriously. I like his film as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um... Again, a kind of psych because this is a very rapey film. Yes, like, really rapey. Yes, there is there is a scene certainly later on. Oh which... god, yeah. But the, like this, this scene, like she sort of says, like I've always thought pussy. Like I remember this from my first time I've seen it. It's pussy glow is quite odd because mm. she's just a bit. She, she's obviously she's attractive, but she's just different to. But the she's rest the oldest of Bond girl ever, I think. Yeah, so she's a bit older. She's a bit sort of more in control of herself. Mm. She is, and she says, "I'm immune to your charms." Yeah. Do you know where that is? No. Uh, in the book, she is a lesbian. See, that's sort of the vibe that yeah. gets, and that makes the scene so much worse. She's a lesbian, which is the reason she resists Bond's charms at first. <laughs> 
mate. Oh, How it. do you cure a lesbian? Fuck her straight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hello, Trevor Bond. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. That actually makes so... It doesn't make sense. No, I'm not going to no, say no, it makes no, sense. No. But it, it explains the weird undertones going on in this film. So, um... But, yeah, um, yeah no, so she says, I'm immune to your charms. And then Bond seems to accept this. Strangely... He probably does but, whisper on his breath, like, she's probably a dyke. <laughs> and then, like, he just, he spins his chair around was taking a sip and then stares at the air with <laughs> Avenue closed, spin it around. <laughs> so, we're getting into the film now, we're getting into the meat and veg of the films, and uh, speaking of meat and veg, Gerard, I thought we'd discuss uh, exactly uh, where on the fluorometer, the patented premium bond fluorometer, that is, um, uh, Pussy Galore rates for you, the, uh, the, 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 the extremely skilled fighter pilot and renowned lesbian. <laughs> Renowned, renowned, yes. <laughs> oh, mate, I would give her one. <laughs> one out of ten, not impressive at all, picture right there. It's a good joke. I'm going to do it every week. I know. <laughs> I know you. Are. Uh, the aircraft going through the air. Um, oh yeah, the most dark place thing we've seen so yes. far. You can see the strings. It's, <laughs> it's really. It's so bad. I don't understand it because the rest of the time they just use like stock footage mm. of planes. Not this time. They by Hamilton <laughs> thought no 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 no. It's like because they they're doing like a product placement, I guess, because they mentioned it's like a Lockheed Jetstar yeah. or something. Yeah, there's a load of. Uh, there's a load of product placement for planes and, and aviation stuff in this yeah. film, well, which is least... weird because no one's going to watch a film and go, do you know I fancy going out and getting a Lockheed jet gun? <laughs> <laughs> so at least like Pan Am, it's like you can get, well, even ri- you're still pretty rich, I suppose, like, yeah. you, but at least someone watching it could get it. I mean, how many fucking people <laughs> could get an Aston Martin DB5? <laughs> well, it did actually increase the sales of Aston Martin DB5 by an incredibly high amount. Mm, it was the best selling car in the world for a while afterwards. It really uh, <laughs> it really um really boosted it. Oh well, fair enough. That's yeah. me and my place. Yeah. Uh there's a scene in the bathroom where Bond's putting on all his stuff and, mm. and May Lee is like looking through all these different viewing holes and he sort of surreptitiously blocks on with his jacket yeah. and all with shaving equipment and stuff. And this this entire scene basically exists um it existed initially to showcase Gillette shaving products. I'm not even kidding. That <laughs> makes sense, I guess. Because the scene's crap without yeah, without being an advert. But with the advert, uh, the, the the director, Guy Hamilton, um, just said it was fucking ridiculous. And just, no, we can't put this in the film. It's rubbish. Gillette are just going to have to go whistling or something. <laughs> and just cut it out. And I really like this director. It's <laughs> the best one so far for Bond. Because they could have just said, I need to go and do a shit. <laughs> and then put the tracking like... <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't have had his luggage, though. Again, why does the tracker device need to activate? Um, it's supposed to be a covert device. Why does it need to beep so loudly? Is it actually beeping? Thought... Yeah, it beeps. He pulls it back and goes, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely the most piercing noise you can make. And it's, it's in a very small aircraft. It, it would absolutely be heard through everything. Um, why didn't they find it when they searched his luggage? They destroyed his attaché case with all the stuff. Why didn't they look through his other luggage? He'll only have one briefcase full of spy stuff, I guess. <laughs> it's it's starting to fall apart, is what I'm saying. Yes. The film is coming apart at the seams at this point. Um, there's also a very stupid line where Pussy Galore points a gun at Bond and goes, Sit down, you prick. And he goes, Oh, don't shoot a gun in an airplane because it's going to suck you out with decompression through the window 
and uh, it'll suck you straight out into outer space. Yes, I know it is. Mm. You're stupid, Jim. <laughs> I, I you... got a first at Cambridge. I know where you'd die, Jim. <laughs> Set the fuck down. Yes, basically. <laughs> uh, we quickly return to MI6 HQ where M takes a phone call from Felix who informs him that Bond's tracker has been picked up approaching Baltimore. M, somehow utterly unperturbed by this news, just sort of nods and goes, All right, I understand. Let him do him. He's clearly got it down. That's M's response to this tracker being activated. My my only reasoning that this tracker should need to be activated would be as some kind of emergency SOS device. And Bond activates it, and they go, "Ah, that's where he is." Yeah, good over. Yeah, actually, I hadn't thought about it that way because, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Why else would you activate a tracker? Yeah, you should just track. Otherwise, yes, they just, you know, just, just they don't give a fuck that their their number one super spy is is clearly like help me, well, <laughs> God help me. Yeah, also, yeah, because it expresses like, oh, he didn't bloody tell me he was going to bolt him up because he's under duress. <laughs> well, it would have been nice to have a fucking invite. <laughs> The flight lands in Kentucky and Bond is ushered off the plane by pussy. <clears throat> she transfers custody of him to Oddjob, who has flown in ahead with Auric, uh, and he's ferried away. Pussy then checks in with her flying circus, which appears to be a troop of all-female stunt pilots. She tells them that they will be given some briefing tonight, and they all giggle and hoot their way back to their planes. This was a scene that like, kind of feels a bit like, as in, she's a lesbian, feels quite... Yeah. Because she's just got a... Yeah. Uh, Although some of, so, I don't know if it was in this scene, but some of her flying circus were played by men in blonde wigs. Bond fact. <laughs> Four. <laughs> There's a brilliant line of dialogue. I love this when um, uh, she says something about being a, a training all these um, women to fly, and uh, Bond says, "You're a woman of many parts, pushy," which I think is just him saying, "You're a woman of many parts," and then naming all the parts he can think of. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> many parts is a bit of an odd thing to say. Mm. Many talents. Women can't have talents. Parts. Women have parts. Parts. At least like, one that I know of. One woman makes me dinner. <laughs> one woman <laughs> makes me come. <laughs> and that's another li- woman has pushy. Literal one three. One woman makes me dinner. <laughs> one woman makes me come. Fuck's sake. Bond delivers a genuine zinger on our job. I really like this line. I genuinely, without any sense of irony, enjoyed it when he walks past our job and says, Manners our job. I thought you always took your hat off to a lady. <laughs> our job yeah. can't understand him, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a good zinger, though. Yeah, um, that's like that's kind of why I like the movie a, a lot more. Like, it's not as fucking turgid as, like... From Russia with love, like where even the zingers were just yeah pure forced. bullshit. Yeah, like, yeah smile, bitch, or whatever he says. Once the guy gets shot, <laughs> she, in the should, back. she shouldn't have. Opened, she could should have kept her mouth shut. <laughs> Odd job delivers James to Oryx Stud Farm. After being bid welcome by Goldfinger, he is detained in a stone dungeon, which, as we all know, all Kentucky stud farms come equipped with. <laughs> we then cut briefly to Felix uh, and a CIA colleague observing Bond's tracker signal while enjoying a delicious bucket of Kentucky Fry chicken. Mm-mm, 11 secret herbs and spices. Did you know you can buy Kentucky Fried Chicken over in the UK now? You can. 
11 different slightly <laughs> slightly different herbs and spices because the FDA only let us do so much here whereas in the UK you can get along with more that's Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> in the UK mm-mm it's finger licking good <laughs> so <laughs> they consider dropping in on Von to check he's okay but ultimately decide that uh, if he needs him he'll probably sing, signal them somehow like I don't know, like activating a tracker device or something. Yeah, something really obvious. Yeah, something like really obvious. Really obvious. <laughs> Flashing fucking tracking <laughs> device, maybe. Bond here tries his best at... Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Bond tries his hand at another zinger here where he comes in and Goldfinger presents him like with his, his horse and he goes, Lovely animals! And um, James says... <laughs> okay. James says... Certainly better bread than his owner. Yeah, that one is a bit more forced. Yeah, I've written down, it's like a kid who got a laugh from one of his jokes with the adults at a dinner party and just keeps pushing <laughs> it to try and get more and more out of it. Uh, we cut now to the meeting room of Oryx Stud Farm in which he has gathered the most influential crime Can bosses I for... just inter- Please do. Favourite scene? Yes, I, I agree, yes. <laughs> In which he has gathered the most influential crime bosses from all across the United States. He owes each of them a cool one million dollars for various deliveries they've made. He offers to pay each of them the million today, or give them all ten million tomorrow. <laughs> They're sceptical and demand to know what he means. Gold... <laughs> Please. Goldfinger triggers... <laughs> Goldfinger triggers a control in his pool table, which flips the entire thing over, revealing a control panel on the underside. He flicks another switch. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. He flips another switch. And that drops a map down from the ceiling and raises a relief map from the floor. On the uh, on the ceiling map, he points out Fort Knox and tells the mafiosos that he, with their help, intends to knock over the USA's gold depository. You were saying this is your favourite scene. Would you, um, would you like to tell us why? Just, it's, just, it's kind of, again, it's like... In the same way that the Chinese guards are all a wee bit like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> a room full of mob bosses. <laughs> the mob just... bosses that seem to just be some men <laughs> with no prior acting ability. Yeah. And like, you hear all these wee sound bites. It's like, come on! Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah. What is this, America round? <laughs> Goldfinger's mechanical room is the least necessary thing I've ever seen oh, in my life. Yeah. A pull-down map would do. A whiteboard would do. <laughs> Literally, the words, we are going to rob Fort Knox, <laughs> written on a bit of paper, uh, they would hand out to them. Take one and pass it along. That would do. I don't know why he's got this mechanical room that drops his stuff down and raises his stuff Fort up. Knox is a building. Yeah, <laughs> like, people know what it is. It's, a it's famous building. The, yeah, uh, the lines of dialogue, the mafia guys. I've written down a few that I liked. I don't like being cooped up like this. What's that map doing there? <laughs> and, it's uh, like I didn't know it was coming to a hoods, a hoods, a hoods convention or something. <laughs> I didn't know I was coming to a hoods convention. What's that map doing there? Uh, and of course, there is the most fucking retarded piece of dialogue at the end. It's so dumb. Man has achieved miracles in every field of human endeavour, except crime. <laughs> and yes, 
that is another reason why. <laughs> I, it's it's it, I can't even count the ways in which that's stupid. It's one of those things, you know, when you've got to explain something so stupid, and you're like, genuinely stumped. Like you mm. can't. It's not a scientific field for a star, and he's not talking to people that have like got aspirations to be. To be like pretentious wankers, I meant yeah, to be sort yeah. of salted there, Chicago, yeah. New York gangsters. That's not like, gentlemen, <laughs> you have dreamed of ascending to heights of notoriety. The lights, the lights go out, and like a slideshow starts playing with like a, like a shimmering, shimmering body and like stars colliding and stuff. Like, Throughout the ages, man has dreamed of greatness in the fields of science, philosophy. And don't so cry. <laughs> it's like it'd be like presenting to a room of nerds. <laughs> like, yeah, what was funny talking about? But now we um, we leave Goldfinger's overly enthusiastic crime rally to check in on Bond. <laughs> he's still locked in his cell and he's watched over by a guard outside the door. Bond literally plays peekaboo with this guard before hiding out of the limited view of the cell which his door offers. Panicking like an idiot, the guard opens the cell door to check Bond is still there. <laughs> And he is, but now he's somehow managed to wedge himself against the ceiling and he drops down on the guard and he knocks him unconscious. Not right away, after a struggle. (laughs) Then he takes his gun and he leaves. It's so awkward. This may be my second favourite scene (laughs) and I like to think of how funny it would be if the guard had done the rational thing and just thought, What's this idiot doing? And not gone into the room and just let his arms weaken and then <laughs> fallen past. <laughs> he just like just lands, lands with a thumb and then picks himself up, dusts himself off. And like, I thought you'd come in. Uh, no, <laughs> you're, you're smarter than the average guard. <laughs> We return to the planning room for Oryx's caper. He fills in the crime lords on the rest of his plan. The following morning, Pussy Galore and a flying circus at a crop dust Fort Knox with an invisible nerve gas named Delta 9, which will render its staff unconscious for 24 hours. With that, a contingent of Asian illegals, which Goldfinger has had smuggled into the country, will dynamite the electrified front gate before breaching the main entrance. One crime lord opts out of the plan and chooses to take the million he's owed right now. Goldfinger excuses himself from the other bosses too take care of him mm, I bet he's going to get his money sorry, I didn't understand that it was... sorry um, Goldfinger excuses himself from the other crime bosses to take care of him <laughs> oh sorry take care of him <laughs> yeah. Delta 9 is <clears throat> we do later find out that it is not as harmless to the human body as Goldfinger is suggesting in this scene mm. but Gold... Delta 9 induces complete unconsciousness for 24 hours is what he says Handy. That is a brain damage bomb. That's <laughs> what he's doing. He's spreading brain damage <laughs> across Fort Knox. Yes. <laughs> but it's also, like, whatever it is, considering it's like they've got about three litres of it, <laughs> and like for per plane. Yeah. And it's covering an area the size of fucking Fort Knox. Yes, yes. Renowned for being big. <laughs> It's got to be pretty potent to be of any use whatsoever. But it's very potent. (laughs) As we will find out. Yes. Um, While all this has been happening, and I cannot believe I have to say this, (laughs) Bond has been watching the entire thing unfold from inside the model of Fort Knox on Goldfinger's relief of the area. 
He writes a missive to MI6 explaining what Auric's plan is and wraps it around his tracking device. Shortly after, he's surprised and yanked to the ground by Pussy Galore, who, with the aid of some guards, take the gun he stole back and lock him back up in his cell. What is he doing? <laughs> Poking his little head into the middle of that the model. I don't understand why the model's hollow like that. Why would Goldfinger make that model hollow? Is it to save money? You can save money <laughs> by not having a mechanical revolving fucking room. You <laughs> fuck you. One. Okay, fuck me one. Considering he just explains all his plans to James Bond anyway, that scene literally could have just... James Bond could have stayed in his cell. Yeah. And we could have saved half an hour of our lives. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh... Uh, she yanks James Bond to his feet, off his feet, and James Bond says, uh, Oh, I didn't know you knew judo. We must have a few fast falls sometime. We must fuck sometime. <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, I've only, I've literally done two lessons of judo when I was younger, but I'm pretty sure that grabbing a man by his ankles when he's standing on something taller than you and just pulling backwards so he just oh, falls, yeah. <laughs> falls on his face, I don't think that counts as judo. <laughs> Prove me wrong if you can. <laughs> did she say who you are? Don't think she did. No, I think she was, not, I think she was quiet. Judo, then. <laughs> well, fair enough, no. um, with Auric out of Crime Boss Central, his associate watches the room on a security surveillance camera as he operates the controls to block off the escape routes and release several canisters of Delta 9 into the room, rendering all his crime bosses unconscious. Uh, the acting here. Mm-hmm. Where they they run towards the <laughs> ah, what is this going on? America round town. The exit What's that map doing there? And then, <laughs> then they just, the Delta Nine starts exploding out, and they all run towards it, and they sort of like one by one go <laughs> just like jerk backwards and sort of slowly fall to the ground in the most unconvincing way possible. And also, I mean, apart from the fact he's. He's killed a room full of people. (laughs) Why did he explain the plan to them or offer them a chance to make more money? Why does he do that? Why does he invite them out? Yeah. I mean, it's not like... Uh, I can understand why he invites them out, because they know a little bit too much about his plan, and he lures them in by saying, uh, ah, I've got a business proposition for you, although he only explains that later. But But then I don't understand why he explains the plan, no. I mean, are mobsters who have done some illegal smuggling shit that... Like, what's yeah. going to be more of a problem for him is all these high-ranking mobsters have just died <laughs> in his property. <laughs> like, everyone knows where they were going, I presume. Mm. Yeah, I would assume there would be some kind of... I'm going to this guy's house. If I should just disappear, here, <laughs> please kill him. Make sure he gets whacked off. <laughs> I'm whacked off. Um, uh, this, is, this is an unfortunate scene um, when you... Uh, Realised that uh, Gertrude was in um, the Nazi party, isn't it? Mm. Where he, he literally seals off a room and gases a load of unsuspecting. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't even know he was in the Nazi party. That came up when I was doing my research for the trivia. Trivia! Hey. <laughs> Nazi trivia! <laughs> um, and I've written down, I do little like uh, headings for each scene in my notes uh, to say what, uh, just so I know where I am when I scroll up and down. Um, and this one is is literally in my notes, just called Arix Auschwitz. Oh, <laughs> uh, now now I know. I feel less good about it, but at the time I felt fucking. 
Goldfinger watches <laughs> as his minions load the only still conscious Mafia man's gold bullion into his car. As he does, Pussy approaches with James in tow. Surprised to see Bond, though maintaining an air of professionalism anyway, Auric greets him. As the crime boss leaves for the airport, driven by Oddjob, Bond surreptitiously slips his note and tracking device into his pocket. With the Don now out of the picture, Pussy explains to Auric where she caught Bond. Bond gloats that he heard the whole briefing, and now he does know what Operation Grand Slam, which is ha-ha... Goldfinger, however, doesn't seem to give a single fucking shit. Considering this is how he negotiated for his life. (laughs) (laughs) I was joking, (laughs) But also how little he just gives a fuck. So all of a sudden, like, double eight coming after him isn't an issue. (laughs) And all the mafias in America. more of an issue. <laughs> Odd job ferries the kingpin to the airport. The tracking device in his pocket, however, alerts the nearby CIA operatives who are still enjoying a lovely Kentucky Fried Chicken meal. Oh, Eleven secret herbs and spices only available everywhere. You can leave this very theatre and get yourself eleven secret herbs and spices. <laughs> anyway, they're enjoying their KFC meal and they're as alerted. You would, as you would. Well, yes. Because it's delicious. Uh, they're, they're alerted to Bond's location, or thinking it's Bond. Believing it to be Bond, on the move, they tail a signal. Oddjob drives clear past the turn off to the airport and turns down a little back road. As the boss chides him for his poor navigation skills, Oddjob shoots him dead. He then drives his freshly made corpse wagon into a nearby scrapyard with the CIA in tow. Uh, there is one line that Felix delivers here, which is where his associate, his, his colleague, says... Uh, where's your guy going? And Felix says, if I know Bond, it's either to a drink or a dame. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. A damagingly accurate appraisal <laughs> of Bond's character in its totality. Oddjob jumps out of his car and has both it and its cadavery cargo crushed into a cube. The pursuing CIA men lose the signal as the tracker is crushed into dust. They decide that the best, and indeed their only strategy... Uh, given this, is to drive back to the stud farm, conveniently passing Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm, delicious, eleven hundred bitties. The crusher goes on for an awfully long. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It's a full minute at least. I'm sure it's an advert for a car as well. Like, the yeah, way the, the car is, because I don't recognise what type of car it was at all. But I just the weight is left like perfectly mm. in the middle of the shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, is it not tainted by the fact someone's just done a murder? <laughs> is that not? Not in the 60s. Glamour, glamour, glamour. <laughs> wow, I could be murdered in a wink. <laughs> Why doesn't he take the fucking gold out of the book? I was looking into it, and um, that much gold, gold bullion, a million dollars worth of gold bullion at that time, adjusted like for mm-hmm. inflation, would weigh a ton. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's fine. Odd job probably wouldn't be able to carry a ton in a suitcase. Um, but at the same time, neither would a Lincoln. <laughs> it must be grinding along the ground. Back at the stud farm once more, Auric and Pussy relax together, sharing a mint julep and discussing what each of them will do in the aftermath of Operation Grand Slam. Goldfinger's associate approaches and tells them that he has seen two men with binoculars spying on them, reasoning eventually that they are likely friends of Bond, which is a, <laughs> a lovely, <laughs> a lovely term. So instead of being a friend of Dorothy, yeah. you are a misogynistic alcoholic, <laughs> psychopath. Alpha, alpha, straight, psychopathic and violent and dangerous to be around. Um, or it concocts a plan to make it seem as if Bond is in no danger whatsoever and so does not need their help at all he tells his associate to get bond and pussy to change into something more comfortable read slutty 
Does he have no other women who aren't lesbians on his team that he could ask to seduce Bond? Not that I've seen. I mean, it's not like he's got a bunch of fillies flying planes for him. No. Uh, this is very irritating. Pussy was, up until this point, a strong female lead that wasn't taking Bond's shit. She's a fighter pilot. She does judo. She's, you know, she, she doesn't care about Bond's charm or his sort of strong masculine mm. looks. And now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, for no reason, she's just reduced to a honeypot fuck jar. Well, I kind of, at this point, I still don't mind it, because she's just playing, like, a, a kind of logical part, as in she's putting on a show for mm, the other guys. sat uneasy with me, didn't enjoy it. So it was like, fine, I'll get my tits out for, like, Bond and... A-lads. <laughs> A-lads, yeah. <laughs> but I kind of liked it, because it's, like, just, it's total contempt for Bond as mm. well, in it? Like, I'll just get my boobs out and they'll... Yeah, that will be him oh, totally yeah, disarmed. Like and... Slightly better, I suppose. My other problem with this scene is what the fuck are two fully trained CIA <laughs> operatives doing, standing in the fucking middle of a road <laughs> with a giant pair of binoculars, just staring into this place? I don't get. It's a tracker just disappeared. So are they not somewhat peeved? Bond just disappeared. Bond just disappeared, but fair enough, he's getting his rocks off or whatever they've concluded. But then he's not because he's still at the stud farm, so... Yeah, where did that tracker come from? What the fuck? Why would Bond put his tracker in someone's... The great CIA minds are just... Nah, he's getting pushy. We probably better not (laughs) interrupt. Bond is brought to the porch of Auric Manor and given a mint julep. Goldfinger delights in revealing the entire extent of his plan to him. As it transpires, he does not plan to rob Fort Knox, but instead detonate a small atomic bomb inside, irradiating the entirety of the USA's gold supply, rendering it useless, thereby causing economic chaos in the West while simultaneously increasing the value of his own supply by ten times. With that, Oddjob arrives with a crushed car and man. Goldfinger excuses himself to extract the bullion from the tangled mess of metal and bones and hands Bond over to the company of Pussy. She and Bond walk through the grounds and into a nearby barn while he attempts to talk her out of a life of evil and she awkwardly begins flirting with him and flinging herself at him. Felix, seeing this, assumes Bond has everything in hand and returns to his motel like a highly trained CIA mind might. (laughs) There's an unusually callous quip concerning the death of another human being here, where uh, Odd Job brings this crushed lump of metal and skin and blood into <laughs> into uh, this is like this is basically this is the tomb of a man. Yes, and um, James says, "Was you sure he had a pressing engagement?" got to separate the bullion from the crushed car and the man juice he's literally going to try and like smelt it out or something <laughs> just, just just execute the man as he left the rooms <laughs> done yeah 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 uh but quickly before we move on to the next horrible scene oh which is horrible um goldfinger uh uh, James James says that if you release Delta 9 which is fatal over Fort Knox you'll kill 60,000 people and his response to this is um, American motorists kill 60,000 people every two years <laughs> that's alright <laughs> no I forgot about that <laughs> so again we're following here he's so scared that MI6 We'll send out another person that knows about <laughs> yeah. the plan. I still don't know why that means keep Bond about, but whatever. Yeah, it's 
But no, he just doesn't give a shit. Not only is it just like, it's not just stealing money, he is murdering. Yeah. I'm guessing the biggest loss of like military life in America's history, like in one go, probably. Yeah, you, you think so. On American soil. On American soil. It's pretty. It's a big deal. So no one's just going to forget. No. And he, <laughs> everyone knows who's done it. It's also his justification of saying, yes. sixty thousand people they die every two years." In a, you know, you could you could say that statistic about if you cut it into any amount <laughs> yeah, of years, keep you keep multiplying say, it by yeah. the amount of time you need. <laughs> very very strange to it. Like, oh, I mean, I I just shank some guy, but if you think about it, half an hour in a day, sixty thousand days, <laughs> then that's as many people. It's just different. <laughs> it's, just, it's not apples to apples, <laughs> It's apples to murder. <laughs> In the barn, Bond continues attempting to woo pussy, which is a great name for a, a, a literal Bond film. He grabs her by the arm and asks what it would take to make her see things his way. She replies, more than you have, and attempts to leave. He tightens his grip and yanks her back in. Fed up with his shit, she hip-tosses him to the floor. He trips her and writes himself. The pair, more playfully on Bond's side than on Pussy's side, attempt to judo each other to the ground. James eventually comes out on top and flips Pussy into a pile of hay. He mounts her and lunges in for a kiss. She doesn't want it and turns her head away and tries to push him off. But he's too strong. No, James, she protests. I don't want this. This isn't a game anymore, James. Stop. But he doesn't care. He forces his head closer and closer to hers, puckering his wet, glistening lips in silent, vulgar demand of her acceptance of his dead-eyed, passionless embrace, until finally her strength fails her. With no more fight left in her, no more resistance to offer, she retches as she relents and allows him to plant his tobacco-stained yellow mouth on hers. Just another broken woman. The camera fades to black as Bond claims his grim prize. <laughs> but seriously, no, it's a rape. It is rape. It's, like, just, it's just a rape. It was so. It was genuinely so unsettling to watch. Like, I mean, she's pushing against a man with yeah. all her might. Yeah. And take out Bond, take out whatever. It's a woman fighting off a man who's yeah. much stronger. Yeah. And he just forces his way into yes. her. Yeah. It is. There is no no way around it. This is a rape. Yes. <laughs> Normally, when we ring the ding bell, uh, we're not necessarily the most politically correct pair on the block. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like um, we're ringing it, but we're, we're, we're dancing a little bit close yeah, to like ultra, under- ultra PC sort of Tumblr brigade. And we ring the bell, not necessarily because we think, oh, that's totally unacceptable, but because, you know, in, in polite society, we think it's unacceptable. We might say something like that to each other or worse, but this is... This is unpleasant. Yeah. This, I, I had to stop, and I just... <laughs> I'm, I'm making a face like Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> I just I had to stop, and I just thought, I've just witnessed a rape on screen, which in no way do the filmmakers treat like, you know, some abhorrent He's thing. He's the good guy. <laughs> He's the good guy. And in this film, unlike From Russia With Love, he is objectively the good guy, albeit... You know, depending hmm. on what your your views are about, like changing a, a, a currency's value <laughs> and how damaging that actually is, he is he is the good guy. He's trying to keep economic stability in his country, hmm. and there's no bombing of foreign embassies. There's nothing awful <laughs> like that. And then all of a sudden, bam! He's just raped a lesbian. Yeah, 
And then worse, the movie kind of goes along with it. Yeah, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's enough to convince her to go on his side. Because up until this point, she genuinely... Like, I believe the character genuinely wasn't into him. Mm. Didn't give a fuck. Yeah. She said, like, he kills little boys too. She's like a cold-hearted killer. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets a bit of dick and she turns into an actual Bond girl. <laughs> yeah. It's... She goes from being, like, one of the worst... She was going to kill 60,000 men. <laughs> like, That's ten an atrocity. Minutes... Yes. <laughs> ten minutes before she gets Bond's dick at <laughs> So oh, it's like it's... the message that's been given out is just... It's not rape if they're <laughs> evil. If I was writing literal premium Bond, this scene synopsis would be Bond beats up, mounts, and then rapes a woman. And that's... I that's, mean, that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. That's not... That's, <laughs> that's not the actions of a hero. We should probably leave it there. We do not condone James Bond's fucking superhero rape or whatever. Again, I don't consider myself to be, like, the most... like I kind of see everyday sexism. And fair enough, like, it can be, like, a bit eye-opening. Hmm. It, but a lot of the time, I think, oh, like, for fuck's sake. Like... Yeah get a grip kind of thing I'll be honest about it but then you see stuff like this that's mm. been so accepted yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. hideous a hideous yeah. stain on film history <laughs> is what that is we get an incredibly long scene now wherein the freshly fucked pussy galore <laughs> takes her flying circus to the skies to make their way to Fort Knox they dust the building itself and the surrounding military barracks with Delta 9 with all the soldiers now hilariously asleep or dead, odd job leading Goldfinger's unit of Asian workers with a captive bond in tow, dons gas masks and head towards Fort Knox to carry out the remainder of Oryx's nefarious scheme. I'll be honest, I'm fully on Oryx's side here. <laughs> he hasn't done a rape. He pays women for their company. It's pathetic. But at least he isn't fucking raping them, James. I'm going back to the rape, and I shouldn't. We should leave that, because yeah. there's, there's only so much rape talk we can... It's hard to get over the corrective rape, <laughs> though, isn't it? <laughs> but this scene is funny. Yeah, It's just men falling over. It's literally four minutes long. It's honestly four minutes long of men falling over, over and over again. And this, these are the same men. They just put in different costumes and moved to different places. They had about 20 <laughs> people on set that day. Um, yeah, they didn't... I mean, I guess it's meant to show, like how widespread it is or whatever, but yeah. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I understood. Yeah. It's what you said as well about how how potent it is. Like it, yeah. they, they have to seal off the room uh, with the Mafia men in it and it kills them in about five seconds and these people are spraying it into the air hundreds <laughs> of feet above them I mean, it's probably, and it kills them in, in seconds. It's probably moved like a few miles by the time it gets to the ground of <laughs> just air current. It's is the thing I know it's like super partridge or whatever, but yeah. I really like the mundane shittiness no, of I, it. I like, enjoy that as well. That's I really find it so funny. Like I love talking about how the science just fails. Like if you were to eject it from a plane that far up, it'd <laughs> just be blown away somewhere, and then like a school <laughs> would be just murdered, and the entire barracks would be fine, and the plan would fall to shit. Yeah. and all you've done is killed. Probably yourself, because at this point they're not wearing the gas mask nope. yet. No, the pilots aren't either. The pilots aren't, and the people on the ground are outside the fucking fence aren't, actually. No, they're not. Here's a, here's a little uh, a fuck-up they made for you. As we're about to release the Delta 9, um, one of Pussy Glow's Flying Circus says, Five, four, three, two, zero. 
<laughs> the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't catch it either the first time I went back. It might only be on like um, original sort of uh, airings of it, but um, <laughs> but yeah, they they missed out the one. So you overdub the villain, but you're not willing to just subtract one into your countdown again. I don't. Again, this is another. It's very cliche. I know it's cliche. Just shoot him. But if you want Bond dead, just shoot him. If you want him to be in Fort Knox when he dies, don't give him a gas mask. If you, if you want him to be there at the pivotal point of your plan, do not handcuff him to the pivotal item in your plan. Goldfinger was quite a good villain. Like He wasn't too evil, and he wasn't like cartoonish with it, and he was quite clever with the things he did, apart from letting Bond go weirdly. But even that was kind of explained, and that, in this point, is just full-on. Yeah, it's Bond gone full to, Bond, hasn't it? Bond There's a tipping point has almost been brought back into mm. this one, like the Bond... I think it has, yeah. I mean, to, well, I, I don't think it's quite a tipping point because it's not like the start of the film is yeah, not super duper. It's bond. not as much as Doctor No. no. Doctor No felt like, a, as we say, Columbo yeah. or whatever. But yeah, they're still like when it's gone recognisably full fucking bond, <laughs> recognisably dense. <laughs> Goldfinger's troops drive through the now silent surrounding roads to the gates of Fort Knox. Once there, they use their hilariously giant sticks of dynamite on the gate as per the plan and let themselves into the inner grounds. As one watches on, helpless, the men mount an incredibly shit-looking giant laser gun which was concealed inside one of their trucks and use it to cut through the metal of Fort Knox's main security door. Goldfinger and the mysterious missileing piloted by Percy helicopter in, along with the nuke, uh, his men quickly move inside the building. It is outrageously dangerous to helicopter in with a nuclear dirty bomb in tow. Outrageously <laughs> Put it on one of the trucks with the underlings. What are you doing? The mysterious Mr. Ling then arms the device as one of Auric's men crack the vault door. Outside of the building, the sleeping soldiers, whose number include Felix and his colleague, rouse from their sleep, or death, I'm not sure... Either way, they were faking or somehow immune to D9's effects. They spring into action, now aware that Goldfinger's bomb is in position. Meanwhile, Bond is handcuffed to the bomb itself and lowered into the vault's depth. Stupid. Yes. Why would you pretend to be asleep? Like, the idea he puts forward is before, like, well, you can't find me because you don't know where the bomb is and it might just go off in the fucking Washington DC, you bastard. Yeah. And then the bomb kind of comes in last minute on a helicopter. Yeah. But wh- why let them arm it? Why let them pick? <laughs> why then pretend to come out from your sleep? <laughs> it's for dramatic effect, clearly, but it is it's a little bit so stupid. <laughs> it's mass deception that's unnecessary. <laughs> so they, at this point, we see inside Fort Knox, and we can see all these gold bars stacked up in big sort. Of Mm. piles um, and gold stacked that high uh, the bars at the bottom would start to squish out <laughs> start to flatten under the weight of the gold above them yeah, so that's, okay. that's impractical that's not real again gold's not what they think it is it's not some <laughs> brilliant metal that that is uh, going to be used for like a sword or something <laughs> or you know some other kind of weapon what could that be what though weapon would you want to be gold for no reason <laughs> Certainly something what? that gets very hot very quickly. Mm. 
The army storm into action, launching a surprise assault on Goldfinger's men. Panicking, Auric locks the vault door and flees to a nearby control room, where somehow he had stashed an American officer's uniform. He changes into it quickly and dupes the approaching military into believing he is one of their number, killing in the process the mysterious Mr. Ling, who is about to blow his cover. He directs the soldiers to the vault door and as soon as their backs are turned, shoots them all from behind. Because it is totally fucking believable that a 300 pound sweating German man with a solid gold revolver is an American military official. I think he has the uniform on under his jacket though. Yeah, that makes more sense. I was wondering how he stashed it in Fort Knox. He's wearing he a really obviously like, weird Big Mac when he arrives. Mm. Not Big Mac. He's <laughs> <laughs> not that fat. Know. <laughs> I did wonder why the fuck has he got that jacket when they arrived? And then it became yeah, apparent. It's also brilliant when he, he's literally, he's got the thickest fucking German <laughs> accent in the world. And he comes out, and he, these are the like he, the troops he's trying to dupe. Yeah. And presumably these troops have some idea as to what they're looking for and who, and he, who he is and what he looks like. Also what their own generals might look yes, like. Yes, and he's also, I think he's wearing, uh, they, they made a little mistake in the uniform. And like the... the uh, it's the army positioned around Fort Knox, and he was wearing like an Air Force uniform or something <laughs> like that. Uh, and he comes out and he says to these approaching American military things, uh, uh, "He's one of them, and so are they." And they're like, "Right, you are, Sarge." <laughs> uh, he's got his solid gold revolver. As oh well. my gosh, yeah, that's just so dumb. <laughs> Standard issue, isn't it, mate? <laughs> Solid gold revolver. It would just explode in your hands. <laughs> um, yeah, we should also take a moment just to pour one out for poor Mr. Mysterious Ling. Yeah, he so. was a cool guy. <laughs> Goldfinger didn't need to shoot. <laughs> I realised it was because like yeah. he was meant to be yeah, blowing his cover, yeah. but it just, like... <laughs> he's now got all the American mafias after him. <laughs> MI6... I yep. know the Chinese. <laughs> yes. The fuck, Goldfinger? The fuck? It's falling even, apart. It's all turning even to Even if you become hands. very rich, yeah. you aren't going to live. <laughs> what if I infuriate like all of the most dangerous people in the world? Oh, and if he'd actually killed 60,000 US troops. <laughs> as he was meaning the to. The might of the US Army <laughs> <laughs> coming down on his very small corporation comparatively. Bond finds himself now locked inside the vault along with Oddjob and another of Goldfinger's lackeys. The nameless lackey panics as any right-thinking man about to be caught in the blast radius of a dirty bomb would and tries to make it to the device in order to disarm it and spare his own life. Loyal to the end, however, Oddjob blocks him and throws him over the railing to the bottom floor of the vault. James, spying his chance, yanks the bomb over... It's on wheels. The bomb's on wheels. Yanks the bomb... A nuke on wheels. Yanks the bomb over to the freshly formed corpse, who, happily enough, happens to have the key to James's handcuffs on his person. James frees himself while Oddjob charges down the stairs to confront him. The pair fight. Oddjob begins by winging his hat at James, which misses, severing a live electrical cable in the background. That's important. James then attempts to use a variety of weapons to best Oddjobs, including a big wooden club, which is 
there and a metal bar which he wrestles off of a forklift truck or something though nothing seems to have any effect on the stout little powerhouse odd job continues chucking james around the room karate chopping him in the tummy whenever he can until he accidentally throws him a little too close to the hat chakram james seizes it and for the first time odd job seems genuinely scared he flings it very obviously and misses entirely instead burying the hat blade into a nearby metal bar odd job laughs Ah, 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 and retrieves his hat but as he places his hand on it Bond uses the live wire from earlier is it important I told you um, he touches it to the bar killing odd job instantly by electric James then immediately sets about trying to disarm the bomb more than likely there's kind of been no real reason to have all the bars connected to each other nope. like you just embed it in concrete embed it in concrete at the top as well and then yep. that'll be it so just just if you jumped, lunged, touched it, and then electrified a bar. <laughs> <laughs> and then just gets killed with a flying hat. While filming this, uh, it's Harold Sakata, by the way. I've got it written down here. Aha, it wasn't my newt somewhere. My newt. It wasn't my newt somewhere. My newt. Um, he severely burned his hand while filming this scene when he grabbed the hat. No, when he grabs he, it, all his shit pyrotechnics go Yeah, off. he really he burnt his hand very badly, but he wanted to do the scene right, so he kept holding on to the hat until the director told him to cut. <laughs> so he just kept holding on to it, and his hand like burning, so the scream might have been real. You were saying some of the more ridiculous uses of gold, you don't remember them in the film. This mm. is number one, by far. Is it Hammer and chisel. James Bond uses a block of gold as a hammer <laughs> and a block of gold as a chisel to open the casing made of a much stronger metal <laughs> of the bomb. And he's banging away. And gold would just be like... Almost <laughs> crushing down into like a paste in his hands. Outside the vault, the army men continue to push Goldfinger's troops back, now gaining enough ground to finally activate the vault store controls. The soldiers advance taking the fight into the vault as Bond continues to disarm the nuke. <laughs> Bond actually gets the nuke open at this point and it looks like a sort of a shit mini game <laughs> from some Wii title, some Wii shuffleware or something. Yeah, it's got a black and white disc in it yeah. that just spins it's on a motor. White, isn't it? It's, it's red and white, it? It's red and white. It looks like a shit tiny carnival for mice or something. I'm not quite sure what purpose it would ever serve. <laughs> If you stop it, the bomb goes off. <laughs> yeah, it's just an odd prop. <laughs> the bomb's timer continues to tick down as Bond searches wildly for the right wire to cut to disarm it. With under ten seconds to go, he desperately grabs the first wire he can find and begins yanking on it. As it's about to come loose, he's pushed aside by a CIA operative who reaches into the container and flips a switch, stopping the countdown at exactly 007 seconds. Duh. Felix approaches James to tell him that it was Pussy who helped them switch the canisters of Delta 9 out for something less fatal, and that they haven't caught Goldfinger yet, but don't worry, he won't get far. But he kind of does, but never mind. <laughs> so, the countdown timer. Let's discuss this countdown timer. Mm. First of all, um, someone has done this, I read this online, that they analysed <laughs> the speed at which it was ticking and the number of seconds it had, and uh, it would have detonated some point... <clears throat> During the very start of the fight with Oddjob, <laughs> that would have been a good way to <laughs> end the film. You in literal bond. Also, originally it stopped at 003 seconds, but was changed in post-production to 007. What they didn't change was James Bond's line: three more ticks and we'd be dead." 
<laughs> so it just came across as really fucking confusing. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> god fucking awful. That's amazing. I didn't notice that at all. I think I was losing the world. <laughs> you know that way when you get so close to the end of a Bond film, you're just like, oh, yeah, for fuck's yeah. sake, hurry up. <laughs> uh, I think they call that Bond fatigue medically. <laughs> Uh, annoyingly, since this is a climax, uh, we actually get a little um, unusually callous quip concerning the death of another human being from Bond. Because normally he hasn't done it so far for the big moment in the yeah. film, and I've had a chance to to put my little moment <laughs> in there. Um, uh, he says, uh, Felix asks James, um, where's your butler friend? And James says, oh, he blew a fuse. <laughs> I've got. I've written down a few alternates anyway, just because I like doing it now. Um, oh, where's your butler friend? He was revolting. Huh. It makes as much sense as some of them. Yeah, That's yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, he went um. Hey, hey electric. <laughs> um, my favourite one. This is one I would use if I was writing the one film. Uh, where's your butler friend? I dropped all charges. That, that is actually good. James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really strange line at the end here where he says, uh, Pussy helped us change the canisters out. And uh, James uh, says, uh, he says, I wonder what made her change her mind. And James says, I must have appealed to her maternal instincts. Y- yeah. Can you explain this? Because I no. didn't get it at all. No. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, he fucked her, so it was weird, so it was immediately like a strange incestual. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't see any way around it. My, my two immediate thoughts were he got her pregnant, <laughs> and my second one was James Bond has some weird fetish where he has to dress up as like a mother or something and have <laughs> them sort of suckle at his teats. There, there, mummy's got you! And that's, that's all I said. <laughs> What? I don't know. I'm just. I mean, that was my second thought. <laughs> well, I've given. I've, I've written some some lines out here that that literal Bond might use instead. Um, what made Pussy change her mind? My dick. And we can have the the name for that one. Uh, Trevor Bond's dick saves the world. Hey. hey. Uh, an alternate title. What made her change her mind? I wonder. I sexually assaulted her, and she was scared I'd come back for more. I mean, it's. <laughs> and the, the title of this film would be um, Trevor Bond Rapes for the Rich. Oh. <laughs> Don't you grunt at me <laughs> like that. <laughs> With the world now saved, or at least the finances of one of its more wealthy parts secure, James is shown aboard a private jet by Felix. He's set to fly to Washington to meet and have lunch with the president, who would like to thank him personally. Felix makes a little joke here. Again, a little bit too close to the bone for old Bond. Bond says, uh, I hope there's going to be some alcohol on board, or something like that. And Felix says, I've ordered liquor for three. And Bond says, who are the other two? And he says, there aren't any. And, uh, yeah, he's really pegged that right. He's working him, isn't he, really hard? Mm. You're a functioning alcohol. (laughs) Bond relaxes aboard the private jet, 
He fiddles with some overhead controls like a child might until from behind, Goldfinger approaches, having tied up the official air staff and taken their place despite being a fairly frail, obese man. He threatens Bond with his giant golden gun, but Bond, having none of it, pounces on him. The pair struggle before finally Auric accidentally discharges his revolver through the window of the jet. With the cabin now undergoing catastrophic decompression, Goldfinger is sucked through the hole he created. And with that, the sky gods are sated and naught else need be sucked through this hole. So saith the sky gods. (laughs) Because all of a sudden, all the suction stops. Nothing else goes out. Bond can stand up and walk around fine. He's not getting sucked about. Whatever. Bond makes his way to the cockpit where Pussy is flying the plane for some reason. She's struggling to keep the aircraft in the air. He takes the controls from her. Takes the controls from her. (laughs) A highly skilled fighter pilot. A complete fucking Luddite who happens to be a man. Wrestles the controls from her and goes, I can do this. I'm a man. I've got the strength. And then immediately crashes the plane into a lake. (laughs) So uh, uh, Felix and uh, some other CIA officials watch the, on the radar James Bond's plane plummet oh, into a lake. No. Oh, James is dead, my best buddy in the world. Uh, we have, I think, our last unusually callous quip concerning the death of another human being of this film, where uh, Pussy asks, where's Goldfinger? And James says, he's playing his golden harp. <laughs> And uh, aren't you lucky that I've done two sets of puns? Oh, lucky boy. Uh, One of these, I'm sneaking this in. This is a literal Bond um, quip here at the end. Uh, Okay, so uh, where's Goldfinger? It sucked to be him. (laughs) Where's Goldfinger? He caved into the pressure. Better than playing a golden harp, both of them. Where's Goldfinger? He's fucking dead! <laughs> Better still. There's <laughs> a little fact for you, a little book fact here. In the book, Oddjob survives uh, the whole Fort Knox debacle, and he is sucked out of the window instead of Goldfinger. That would make sense, because I have written in my notes that Goldfinger is a fat old man. Yes. He's not... He wouldn't put up a fight. <laughs> um, so Goldfinger is then killed just by strangulation. Bond just chokes him out. <laughs> Jeez, see that kind of makes more sense. Like, I mean, headbutting and strangling him. Yep, yeah, he loves a headbutt. Bond. Felix now in a helicopter searches desperately for any signs that Bond may be alive. In the approximate location of his crash, the camera pans out and we see Pussy waving her jacket as a sort of SOS signal from the ground. Bond yanks her to the floor. Oh no, you don't, he says as he pulls her in for a kiss. This is no time to be rescued. He pulls their parachute over both of them and they fuck the end. Fine. What a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this very last scene, this is... this. I didn't think Bond displayed all that many psychopathic tendencies here throughout the entire film, but in the last scene, it's it's pretty full on. Like... He's done this before. That's mm. their only opportunity to be rescued. Yes, Otherwise, um, they're going to have to hoof it home. He also, second, he's completely calm about surviving an air crash. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, he's got other things people, in his mind. <laughs> most people wouldn't be, and most people would not be turned on by that. <laughs> but he is. That's fine. Not even phased him. 
And third, this is the most telling, Felix is his friend. At the start, I said, I specifically said, yeah. he's very pleased to see him. He genuinely likes Felix. And he's letting Felix believe that he is dead <laughs> for longer than Felix has to believe that. Yes. Yeah, Just so true. he can get his hole. So... You're a bad friend and a psychopath, <laughs> Mr. Bond. Felix would understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, at least they're fucking clean this time. He's on his way to meet the president. He can't be that dirty. He's <laughs> not been in a, fighting in a gypsy camp for an entire night. <laughs> uh, in this scene, you can see the tan line from Sean Connery's wedding ring. But it's funnier to imagine it's Bond. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... He's just... It's the same way it ends as... He'll say something, he'll grab the woman a bit, and then he'll yep. cover himself, and then it cuts the credits. And it's just... Well, this actually, um, this is literally the only Sean Connery film of James Bond franchise that does not end with James Bond having sex on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> so it just one of the ends f- for the rest of them. <laughs> that's a fucking record to behold, isn't it? <laughs> uh, apologies um, for... Uh, Lowering the tone again, but we're gonna have to go back to the rape because oh. there is. A, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but they're in the book. There is mm-hmm. something that's too monstrous to ignore. Okay. That Ian Fleming has written in the book at this point. Pussy tells Bond that she is only a lesbian and a criminal. The two are equated. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> because her uncle raped her as a child. So Bond. Then fucks her after that. That's how it ends in the book. She goes, I was raped as a child. And Bond goes, ooh. I mean, <laughs> Which be... fuck. Yeah, it's a bit tragic, isn't it? The only way you could possibly be a lesbian was because a man had to do something terrible to you. Mm. James Bond literally rapes her straight. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> it reminds that is me... what Ian Fleming has written, that James Bond raped a lesbian straight. Did they do anything that's even slightly like honourable, really? No. I mean, it depends what how much of a capitalist you are, but I wouldn't say anything in the film is particularly I mean, honourable. Like, gold isn't even... Like, the standard... The economy doesn't work that way no. anymore. It's not done so for hundreds of years. Like, No. <laughs> so, and he says something like, it would be irradiated for 50 years. <laughs> yes. That's not that long. I don't think Fort Knox would probably... 58 years. Sorry. It would be around the island for 58 years. That's not enough time. <laughs> I don't think much of that goal. It sounds like, I don't from think the it... start of the film, the gold isn't being moved. It never gets moved. It's just kind of... Occasionally it's used for something. I don't even... Well, okay, on that incredibly sour note... <laughs> <laughs> we we have finished this troll through um through gold finger. He's he not... never raped a bitch. He's he's not the bad guy of this <laughs> film. He's a yeah. He's clearly not the worst person in this film. Ah, uh, he just... kind of respects women a little bit as well. Yeah, yeah. Like he was having a normal conversation with her about like yeah. What are you going to do with he, your money? That com- that scene is is possibly if it does pass the the is it the Betchel test? Yeah, 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 that is probably the the reason it does. Is because <laughs> the villain is having a very calm and collected conversation with uh, a woman about just you know normal stuff life. You might have in, in, in life. Yeah. So um, 
let's uh, let's dive right into uh, rating this uh, this mother. Let me let me appeal to your maternal instincts if I had to ask you to rate the film uh, from one to ten, from uh, from a pussy galore to a pussy drought. <laughs> oh my god! It's it's enjoyable. It's more enjoyable than mm. the rest of the film so far. Certainly, my favourite so far of all three. Honestly, like I can't stress enough that like, I'm not being some social justice warrior. The rape scene was genuinely no, it is. It's unsettling. Harrowing. It's but if I can put that to one side for a second... Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to put it to one side, but continue. I would give it six out of ten. Six, I might go higher than six, actually. For being... Well, can you... You, you gave... Remember, uh, yeah, you remind gave, me what I gave her. Uh, for Russia With Love, you gave it three. For, uh, for, for Doctor No, you gave it a five. Okay, seven then, probably. For Yeah, yeah I think I might go the same. I mean... I was thinking eight, but the length that we've, in which we've discussed the rape scene um, has really taken it down a notch for me, to be honest. So. The fact that that sentence can be applied I'll, to... I'll slash but it. But still, shiven out of death. Slash one point for the rape. <laughs> um, yeah, probably, probably just, seven, seven the rape scene I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was, it, it was, it was light-hearted and it was more entertaining. And Terence Young is, is not a fucking patch on Guy <laughs> Hamilton in terms of a, a director. Guy Hamilton, let's not be honest, is great. But <laughs> let's be honest, he's not great. But... Um, Terence Young is a fucking mess of a man in comparison. It was entertaining. It was yeah. much, much more entertaining. Even the shit bits, like mm. in from Russia, if I ever just sighed at them and this, I yeah. laughed. Like the, yeah, yeah, the seagull at the start, just to. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I have to ask you this, but what is your favourite scene? <laughs> it's clearly <laughs> when he's explaining the plans against us. <laughs> it's. it's... Fucking incredible! It's, it's just, nonsensical. Yeah, it doesn't have to be there. He could, like, for all the other like liberties we're allowing the film to take, we don't need to know about the logistics of how he got certain things into the country. No. You could just assume, like, <laughs> by smuggling, because that's all it tells you anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's so unnecessary and so lame. <laughs> And the, the the actual dialogue, hey. the dialogue in it as well, especially when he says that humans have achieved miracles in every fucking field they put their minds to, except for bloody crime. <laughs> it <laughs> feels the, the dumbest fucking thing I've heard in a Bond film. Um, again, I don't feel like I really have to ask this, and I feel like for the first time we're going to be completely in accordance with with our favorite and least favorite scenes. But what was your least favorite scene, Gerard? <laughs> It was the breaking of pussy galore. The breaking of pussy galore. <laughs> it's Let's not call even... it what it is. The vicious sexual assault in a barn. It's not even... I mean, it's the sexual assault itself is bad enough. Mm. It's the fact that she completely changes her character like, on a fucking... Like, you hardly see her. Yeah. She goes from being integral to the plot yeah. to just being... A dolly bird that appears to be fucked at one point. She fucks up flying a plane and then she gets fucked. Yeah. She just, yeah, she switches all of her coolness off. Yeah. And, now and then she's just, she's a, just a wailing, typical, like, ah, typical, help me. typical Bond girl. Then I suppose maybe, maybe the rape has taken her off her game. That's true. Maybe. I am going to have to echo your sentiments <laughs> and say 
the scene in which a literal rape happens <laughs> was my least favourite in this film, yes. Um, what can be said that we haven't already <laughs> said about the rape? Uh, it was unpleasant, and it was harrowing, and it was dark, and it wasn't treated like that in the film, and that is frankly appalling <laughs> and just literally unacceptable. But 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. The <laughs> rest of it was a romp, so... <laughs> Well, I'm not going to rate it zero because I did enjoy it. Yeah, no, it was fun. Yeah, it, was it was. It wasn't a slog at all. Yeah. So next time we'll be doing Thunderball. All right. Well, anyway, well, I, I, said I, I, all I can see. Yeah, I, I was. It was an enjoyable few hours. <laughs> Thank you for listening to what we've done today. We've had. I've had a nice time recording this one. It was a lot less shit than uh, from Russia with Love, which, to be honest, was just full of negativity and anger give us a little likey likey loo on facebook uh, we're at facebook.com forward slash flemings dot shame um, and you can if you're not already listening on soundcloud then uh, get at us all up on soundcloud at soundcloud.com forward slash premium underscore bond that's premium underscore bond we'll presumably be back at some point um, with uh, Thunderball next and Thunderball is one that I do remember bits of so uh, tune in for that when I, I remember parts of a film <laughs> Lawrence remembers bits <laughs> <laughs> oh you like shut this down <laughs> yes goodbye goodbye Thought of come and gone Canadian. He quite. <laughs> <laughs> There's a tagline for you. <laughs>